Hey, hey, folks. Thank you again for joining me on another episode of Trost Talk here. Uh, we got a great episode in store for you. Uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Also, follow me on Instagram at Trost Talk. Um, but first, my buddy, Pablo2020. no no i just double clicked i got in the boxing gym i checked out that tampa city boxing gym yeah it was, it was sick it was good it was real deal workout. probably huh they were charging 130 though a month is that od i don't know how legit they're a legit one but like to give you a reference i pay 90 mm, and then 100 I do, after that after the first month yeah and i i paid 90 and a 50 dollar entrance fee so the first mm. month was uh like 140 was, yeah exactly um, and then I pay an additional $60 a month, but that's cause I take private lessons. Actually, I pay more than that. I take private. Okay. Lessons, so I, yeah. I wanted to know what you were paying. Cause like, I'm seriously considering it. Like, yeah, it was cool. I do. I do $60 a week with the guy that I train with. So it's, you know, it's like two forty, and then it's like another 90 on that. So, you know, it's not over 300, but it's not like killing it, killing you. But it's also mm -hmm. I have more availability than most people do. I'm doing nothing mm. most of the day, so <laughs> I, I can train like that. But um, yeah, other than that, like in reality, I probably would do once every other week, you know? Yeah, mm -hmm. so. they have like a they have like a it's like you ever hear of class pass? I don't know if you have that. Kind of gives you like access to all these like fitness gyms in your area, whether it be like cycling. I've heard or, of things like similar yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like a thing there. And if you go through the, the app, it's like $20 every time you pop in, which is like whatever. But I think if you want more individualized training, yeah, you got to do like the, the monthly thing. It was cool though, because they had like a mural in there and it's all the people who have like popped in there and like were trained. And I guess yeah. Jake Paul and Brock sparred in there. They have like a Damn. mural. Yeah. I, I, oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I, that makes sense because I think I did see a video before he was fighting Ben Askren and he, he, I think he happened to be in Tampa and he did train there. So, mm. uh, yeah, dude, you probably will like that gym. It'll be a legit gym. It's legit. You see people in there training. They have a big ring where you could spar and stuff, all kinds yeah, of bags. So it's cool. It'll, yeah. It'll, it'll do you well. And then if you take a couple lessons, you like work with the guy guaranteed you can ask him to like how the sparring works he'll get you prepared or ready like mm -hmm. most people won't let you spar until you've got some basics down yeah and like they think you're sharp on a couple basics and then they'll let you spar but like it i didn't spar until i did like two or three months of training with yeah with this guy so um anyways though uh so we can get you so we, i know you got to get on the road uh, mm -hmm. But as everybody knows, this is a Trost Talk. Uh, we're here with another uh, episode. We are going to be talking all about the NFL. Uh, I'm joined by Chris Del Bene. Chris, say hello. Hey, everybody. Um, we will be, what we're doing is we came in with a couple of questions. So, so far, what we've seen after three weeks. Um, I know tonight it is week four, start of week four. We got the Jaguars and the Bengals tonight, mm -hmm. which will be an interesting game. 
Um, but we both brought some questions to the table, some talking points that from what we've seen, what are fair questions to kind of ask about, you know, what be to be redundant about what we've seen in the league so far after three weeks. Um, but we will start off. I do want to just start off with the Thursday night game. We'll just be pretty quick about it. Um, I will be honest. It's probably not the most attractive game for most people, especially just the average football game. The one saving grace is at least the the Bengals could potentially be three and one, potentially yep. really threatening in the division at this point. So that would be great. Or Trevor Lawrence gets his first NFL victory. But the Jaguars, from my point of view, have shown an inability to really be a football team this year. <laughs> they look incapable of even being on a field. Um, but, you know, it, I mean... Maybe there's something interesting with the uh, Bengals tonight that you'll just get to see uh, Burrow and Chase just kind of go off. Uh, might be an explosive game on their end. So uh, what are your thoughts on the game? Like, what do you expect to kind of the outcome to be? Uh, I think that the Bengals are going to roll. I think, you know, the narrative coming out of this will probably be that the, the Bengals look like a potential player in the AFC North, a potential, uh, I think, wild card team. I don't know mm-hmm. if they'll actually get there, but I think, you know, their offense will be on full display tonight for a national audience. And I think Cincinnati's kind of tucked away as a team and really get a lot of exposure to them uh, on the national TV circuit. Uh, so I think that, you know, they have a great running game. And I like Joe Mixon. I think he's a great running back. Uh, Jamar Chase has been playing out of his mind to start. And, and, you know, the Bengals will just have a really good receiving core, a really good offense around Joe Burrow. So I think it'll kind of be a, a full display there, especially because Jacksonville actually just traded away one of their starting corners. Uh, CJ Henderson to the Panthers. So I think they kind of, you know, I think Jacksonville's kind of saying we know the season isn't going to be a good one in terms of wins and losses. Um, to your point um, about that move, Panthers clearly looking to have a defensive prowess because they already got a great, their rookie cornerback's actually really freaking good. He just got um, hurt though. He just broke his foot. So that's why they're replacing mm, him. That makes sense. And never mind. I was going to say, mm. I, don't know why I didn't see that, but I was going to say <laughs> um, that's actually a great move. They would have two great corners, but now it makes even more sense why they went and got them. But they have a yeah. good defense. Um, mm-hmm. So I agree tonight. I think I would say Bengals win by probably one a score. And eh, actually, I think they win by two, uh, two scores. I think it's I a minimum say, 10 I think point I saw game. The spread. Yeah, I think I saw the spread was like eight, somewhere around eight. But yeah, yeah I, think I, 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 I think they cover two. And, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I want to see. Because, you know, Trevor Lawrence has been kind of saying in the news that each week he feels like he's getting better. Obviously, so that the game's way faster than anything he's been used to. So I kind of want to see him continue to progress, maybe cut the interceptions down from, you know, I think he averages about two a game. So maybe, you know, one, um, you know, just just to see a little bit of progression. But I like what I see out of Trevor so far, regardless of the picks. Yeah, I, and I think what it is, too, is what you're also seeing is a quarterback who is being allowed to make – all of the throws that a 10 year vet who's a, mm-hmm. you know, a pro bowler can be making and stuff mm-hmm. like that, or just a 10 year vet. And in, uh, in that case, Absolutely. Uh, like he, he's not just doing like what you would see with like, say uh, RG three, when he was a quarterback, it was a lot of where's your first read, if not check down, mm-hmm. you see that a lot with quarterbacks, 
he's being allowed to go through his whole progression. And you know, exactly. you know, it's like what Manning did his rookie year. Manning was one for one as a ratio for touchdown or touchdowns of picks his rookie year. Like somewhere in the 28 touchdown, 28 interception range, something like yeah. that. I mean, it's happened plenty of times. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if Trevor had similar numbers to that this year. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be bad. Um, well then let's start in actually just kind of dive right in with, um, one of the questions I think a good one to kind of ask is we were talking about um, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Let's uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to go and compare. I know we've only seen really one game of um, of Justin Fields, but who do you th- first of all, I- I'm just gonna say all three of them are honestly doing very poor. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was very surprised. And if anybody who was set up to have a better go at it, um, outside of Mac Jones, obviously he's got a great setup going, but, um, is Justin Fields. Cause he's not mm-hmm. with a terrible team, you know, like they got a great defense. Uh, he's got offensive weapons. Um, uh, the issue is almost like how Tampa Bay was before they got Tom Brady. It was, you know, very much like good team. They just have to have the most important piece, which they're missing mm-hmm. as quarterback. And, you know, and then Justin Fields comes out and he gets less than 70 yards in his first NFL game. And, you know, it just kind of like, was it just a terrible game or is this kind of now just going, oh shit, did we get another Trubisky here? You know, I don't really think that Matt Nagy really put him in positions to succeed. I mean, I know he only had 68 yards passing or whatever it was, but he has a horrible offensive line in front of him. He really does. I I don't think he has a good offensive line in front of him at all. I mean, his left tackle is Jason Peters, who's 39 years old, has tore his Achilles twice, tore his ACL twice. Uh, You know, with that being said, I think Jason Peters will eventually be a Hall of Famer one day, but I just don't think he is a good offensive line. He's he's 39. It's like your point. He's he's over the hill. He's way over the hill. I I love him. I hope we retire his number in the Philly stadium. But, yeah, he's injury prone now, and he's old. You know, and I think – you know, I think that they have two good offensive weapons in uh, Montgomery, their running back, and Allen Robinson. But outside of that, I really don't know what they have. Um, I think that, you know, it, from what I saw, I really didn't see the game, but it, it didn't look like they played the Justin Fields strengths. And, you know, when you have a team that's getting to getting to the quarterback like that, I feel like you need to get your quarterback out of the pocket, kind of, you know, roll them out and you use Justin Fields' skill set. I just didn't really see that from the amount of time that I saw him, you know, play. And, and I think that, you know, I, as much as, as good as their defense is, their offense is not good at all. I don't think it's conducive to Justin Fields being in there right now. Kind of reminds me of uh, David Carr back in the day, the, uh, mm-hmm. the old quarterback for the Texans where he just got killed in his first year. I think he took like something like 76 sacks. And that, that, has, that plays a lot in a quarterback psyche, especially if it's your first NFL game, first time you're seeing live action against starters who are scheming up to stop you. Um, you know, he actually, the record for a quarterback being sacked in the game is 10 times and he was at nine. So I think that just kind of got in his head. I wouldn't judge that. I think he's going to be a good player. I just think they need to build more around him. Um, I really think that Matt Nagy's probably on his way out. Just kind of seems, just kind of seems like that's the trajectory of the team. And I think he kind of knows that. I think the organization kind of knows that. I think they're due kind of for an overhaul. Um, I just don't think he has enough around him, especially as a young, as a young rookie quarterback, you need players around you, you like you need structure around you. And it's unfortunate that I think a lot, you know, if we're talking, if we're talking Zach Wilson, if we're talking Trevor Lawrence, 
um, that all of these guys are kind of in situations where it's on them. It's entirely on them. And I think that's a lot to ask a rookie quarterback um, going forward. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be – I think, you know, Zach Wilson's in a very similar situation uh, mm-hmm. as far as having uh, a franchise that's not really matching what they're, um, you know, what they're trying to do. And you got a good – I think Zach Wilson's a good talent. Um, From an arm talent perspective, I think. Exa- exactly. I think he, he, he kind of has like an Aaron Rodgers type of arm. Way he throws the ball. Yeah, he, so, he can he can kind of make some plays that not a lot of people spin can it. make. He can spin uh, it. Yeah. Um, but he's got a terrible organization. Now mm-hmm. I do like their Horrible. head coach Sala. I think he, you know, I think he's a good change and a a good culture change. How quick are they gonna have a, a trigger with him? Uh, you know, to get him out of there, like all New York fans. Um, and are they gonna be able to um are they going to be able to keep well keep faith in Zach Wilson because he's already now in the last two games he's thrown six picks so yeah uh, he he's gotten progressively worse uh, each game uh, I get he's a rookie he's on a terrible organization but um you know I don't not even Sam Darnold was doing that yeah I just think that they need they need to kind of like I said, kind of play to his strengths. And right now I think they are kind of asking him to drop back and throw the ball down the field and outside the numbers. And I don't think he has the receivers to create separation. I don't think he has a good offensive line in front of him. I mean, he's kind of, he's kind of small. And, you know, even one of his offensive linemen came out this week and actually said he holds on to the ball too long. And I think that's something that he needs to work on. Is, you yeah. know, roll him out of the pocket, get him confident, throw a couple screens to get him, get him moving, play within the structure of the offense. Play with what play to his strengths. I don't think they do that. It seems like from what I've seen that he throws the ball down the field a considerable amount. And you know, one of the anomalies I actually saw is that he's actually more effective throwing the ball outside the numbers right now. Um, which usually it's it's not supposed to be that way. Usually you're supposed to be more more effective inside the numbers um, rather than like towards the sideline. And so I I mean I never personally was a believer in Zach Wilson. I think I said it when when we talked the last time that him coming out of college, he had an average record against, I think he was 500 against teams that had, you know, legit NFL talent. Uh, yeah. It kind of reminds me of a Johnny Manziel where in college he was extending a lot of plays and making a lot of things happen in that regard. And I just don't think he's cut to do that in the NFL. Um, you know, I think he's going to have a really bad season. I think that New York, the New York media is probably going to crush him. But I think, you know, in his defense, he does not have a lot around him at all. He really doesn't have a lot of weapons. He doesn't have a go-to receiver. Zero. He doesn't he have zero an offensive, offensive line. line. He has he, he, he no running even, game. You can, if you ask an average fan, name a Jets wide receiver, they wouldn't know. Yeah. No. Like they don't, the, there's not, the only nameable person on the Jets is Zach Wilson. Yeah, and maybe Corey Davis. Um, but I mean, he had more name value coming out of college than he does now. I think they, that was probably their big name signing, but I don't think he was ever anything special in Tennessee. Um, he yeah. was the fourth pick in the draft once upon a time, but I don't think, you know, average receiver at best, not like a, not a true number one. And I think that's kind of what you need as a rookie, especially when you're coming in, you're coming out of a, a smaller conference school like BYU, who doesn't get that exposure against the big boys. You need someone who's like, okay, I'm going to throw this up, go up and get it, please. And I don't think he has that. And so he's playing kind of behind the eight ball. You know, I don't think all the interceptions he's thrown are entirely on him. Um, I think, you know, some, some have been gone through receivers hands, at least two that I can think of, but, um, you know, it's just a tough landscape. You know, the one person who I think is really fortunate is Trey Lance, where he gets to sit and learn. I think 
everybody, with the exception of Trevor Lawrence, should be sitting and learning right now. I don't think any of them are really cut to kind of be in there. And with given their their team situations, given you know their physical limit limitations, whatever they may be, um, I would say the only person that really should be in there right now is in that it's beneficial for them is Trevor Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know, the way Zach Wilson's playing kind of reminds me of what Jared Goff did in his first year, where it was just abysmal. And I think, you know, if you give the Jets some time, I actually like their GM. Joe Douglas is actually a pretty good GM for them. And I think they just need some time to build a roster around him. Uh, but, yeah, right now it's not looking good for any of them. And I really don't think any of them should be playing with the exception of Trevor. Yeah, well, that was depressing. So, because <laughs> it's just the Jets. Everything about them is depressing. Yeah, just dysfunctional. Um, so another thing I, I know we we had uh, we'd uh, both given each other some questions to kind of bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go ahead because I know you and I. We, you said from what I understand is we both had pretty similar questions. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have my list. I'm gonna read them down, and then we'll go through the ones that you and I were texting about, and then we'll do yep. that. Um, cool. So right now, uh, the next topic of discussion I want to get into is actually about a former Jets rotate right mm-hmm. in sam darnold um now is this like a most improved uh you know player award or is this something that is more of like hey look what happens when you do leave the jets organization uh you know i would say i think that this is more so kind of the latter where once you leave the jets organization and you actually have some structure around you uh that you're gonna that you know things will work out better for you than being and especially you know, in a quarterback jets. position because it's not like you know uh jamal adams where you knew he was a freak and a good talent yeah. because mm-hmm. he can make you can you have a, a little more control over your situation where a quarterback is so pivotal. Everything pivotal. starts and ends with you. Everything exactly. starts and ends with the quarterback. Exactly. You're essentially the coach on the field. Like you're mm-hmm. that's what you you're are. The general. Yeah. And so it's you know, it, it's it's you can't it's a little harder to see a good quarterback talent in a bad organization unlike other skilled positions. So um that was the point I was trying to make. Uh, well, you know, I was kind of looking, I was just looking at Sam's numbers while he was on the Jets. And if you look at his rookie year, again, given the team he had around him, it was literally nothing. It might as well have been traffic cones and, you know, uh, a mannequin. You know, that probably would probably would have served better. To we him had that him. one kid, uh, uh, is it Robbie Anderson? Yeah, he had Robbie Anderson on for him one, for a little for while. like one year, I think. One right? or two years. But I think, you know, his average was around those, his first two years, this is the exceptional last year where I think he was hurt. It was COVID year, different situation. But first two years, he averaged around 3,000 yards, 18 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Given the supporting cast as around him, I would say, I would say that's not too bad. Given, given what he had around him, he was, you know, he was kind of making lemonades out of shit. And, exactly. was, and so, you know, when he moves over and another thing is, you know, I think QBR is a really telling stat about a quarterback. So they rate it from, you know, 50 to hundred 50 being kind of like, the middle of the pack, 100 being like super high end. He was usually around 75, 80 as a quarterback, as a QBR rated. So, you know, you take him to the Panthers and now you're kind of seeing, you know, he has some structure around him. I think he's a great offensive coach around him. And I think that's one of the things that's really understated. Yeah, his offensive coordinator's name is Joe Brady. He's kind of the guy who made Joe Burrow at LSU. He was their passing game coordinator, co-offensive coordinator there. Uh, he's kind of like the next Sean McVay type where he's probably going to be a head coach somewhere soon. Um, but you know, surround Sam Darnold with players and structure and you're seeing what's happening. I think it's reaping the benefits of it now. Uh, I would say, you know, and the last thing I'll kind of say on Sam, um, is that I don't think Sam's ever going to be a top flight quarterback and I don't think he needs to be. I think Sam is the type. 
he's the type of guy where, you know, he, I think he can win your team a Super Bowl um, with, the, with the talent or he has around him, and he doesn't need to be MVP of the league. I'll yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, that was exactly actually what I was going to say. Is I was going to say, you know what he reminds me of, is he's actually a way more skillful like Trent Dilfer or Brad Johnson. He's even guy, go Eli Manning. Yeah. Well, I, I think Eli Manning was a better – like, he's just a better right. quarterback mm-hmm. uh, talent-wise, everything. He was just a bit more of a gunslinger than Peyton, mm-hmm. uh, where Peyton had, like, that Brady mind where he could dissect you, know what you were doing, mm-hmm. uh, and before I even snapped the ball. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think Sam Darnold, what he is, he's a better version of um, these commander, just game manager quarterbacks. He's, like, kind of the best version of that because – I'd agree. He can make not as good or maybe as far of a pass, but he can make all these top tier throws that these special arm talents make. Mm-hmm. Not as good, maybe not as like he maybe instead of a 45 or a 55 yard bomb, he can do it 45 though, which is still great. Um, and I think he is really good at managing it because if you look at his stats and right now he's only three touchdowns in one pick, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. the Panthers are asking him, get us some yards, get us close, so we can take care of the rest. Um, and our defense is good. So if we, mm-hmm. you know, if we, we, uh, lose a little bit of field position, at least we know what they can, we can rely on them and he's on pace. Not surprised. I would say I'm going to take a rough guesstimate, but he's probably on pace to get less than 20 or it's going to be really low twenties. Like it's going to be in that mm-hmm. 18 to 22 touchdowns range, which it's isn't that many touchdowns, but exactly. He's going to win. I think they're going to get around 10 wins this year. I think they, they have a really easy Panthers. schedule too. I think they said that they don't really even after this Cowboys game this week, they don't have a national TV game until December. And so I they, they, they really the Cowboys, dude. No, I mean, I think so too. I mean, I'm not saying the Cowboys are unbeatable, but I think this game will be very telling because McCaffrey's out and this will be kind of more like the offense is kind of be more surrounded around Sam. Although I do like Chuba Hubbard that they have behind uh, McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. He's a rookie this year uh, out of Oklahoma state. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think he'll be. Uh, I think he'll be a good addition for him. He's a good but yeah, scat back too. He's underrated mm-hmm. as a scat I think, back. I think Sam just needs to play within the structure of the offense. And I think a lot. What a lot of people are looking to see this year is if he can cut down on the mistakes and if he can cut down on the turnovers. Then I think he'll be he great. is though, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. I think, so I think too. that's what he. He's he's not forcing it. But here's the mm-hmm. other thing: is he's seeing that he doesn't have to force. Yeah, it's not like all he, on him for yeah, the first time. Exactly. You know, it's not, you know, he doesn't need to play like he's, lights he's out. He's probably feeling really relaxed. Mm-hmm. And that's that's huge for a quarterback. Yeah. Being as, as, as much you know, harkening back to to Zach Wilson and all them, it must suck for them because in their mind they know they have to go out and deliver. Or their team's going to lose. And yeah. I think with with Sam, it's more of you know, if I play within the structure of the offense, we have a good team around me. I don't need to be Superman. And I yeah. think that's some. I think that's something that's really beneficial for him. I think that he's going to be a great a great landing quarterback in in, ja- in, in Charlotte for the Panthers. Um, I think he's going to be there a long time. I really like him. I think he's going to end up working out there. Yeah, I agree. I think he'll be a great quarterback for them for years mm-hmm. to come. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Um, I think the other thing with him, too, is he's realizing that, like, he can take the five-yard pass. Mm-hmm. Like, just just take it. Who cares? You know, it yep. doesn't matter. And if it's, if it's only open, it's a three-yard pass, or it's, you know, hey, we got to take this two- or three-yard run on the first down, like, you just got to take it. You got to take sometimes what the defense is giving you. Um, and he's understanding that. I think some of that obviously is to repeat ourselves. It does come with the Jets. We understand that if you're yelling and at our podcast right now. 
<laughs> but he, it also does come with learning and you, you can see it better when you are playing with a better team. Um, kind of lead in to another New York quarterback that I think is kind of in hot water. You, Cause you can't really blame the coach anymore at this time. Uh, Danny dimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think he's got real issues or and three. Uh, I, when I say issues, not like I, I don't think he's necessarily a bad quarterback. There's something there. It just seems like he just can't really seem to put it all together. He's a pretty good runner. He's got good feet. He's got a decent, he's got a pretty good arm. I would say he's got actually pretty good arm talent. Um, and, uh, he just can't seem to like be consistent with it throughout a whole game. He'll have moments. Mm. He he's continued to have just moments. And I, I understand the jets are bad too. Like I understand their play calling is probably not great, but I mean, what is this is year four now? Year three. Okay. So, well, this is the make or break year. So what are we seeing here? You know? So, you know, I think with, with him i really don't think he's played that bad so far you know i don't don't think he has any interceptions i don't think he has any turnovers not a lot of touchdown passes i think he's somewhere in like 600 yard range three touchdowns he has two rushing touchdowns uh you know i think one thing we need to consider is you know where darius slayton dropped pass away from them being one and two not that that makes a big difference but i think the biggest problem for the giants is their offensive line their offensive line is horrible he's been pressured on about like 38 percent of his dropbacks this year so I think it, coming out of the preseason, I'm pretty sure the Giants have the lowest graded offensive line. I think that's reflecting in Saquon Barkley's performance right now. Um, I think this is more of a situation where I don't think the Giants have really surrounded him with a you know a good team up front. I think their offensive line, like I said, is, is not good. Their defense is not living up to the billing at all. Defense is terrible, really. So I think that you know, and one of the things I want to note is you know coming into this year, obviously. You invested a lot in free agency. They brought in Kenny Galladay. You already have Sterling Shepard. You have Darius Slayton, who you've been kind of grooming up through, you know, kind of drafting and developing. I don't know why they went and drafted Darius Tony out of Florida, a guy who's not really playing at all. I think in the last game he played, he was on the field for 19 snaps. And, you know, I think when you're the Giants, like, why would you not invest in, you know, an offensive line, an interior offensive lineman or somewhere on the defensive side that could help you? So I think it's more so. Um, kind of a failure of the general manager. I really am not a believer in Joe Judge. I'm not really sure what he's doing. Um, I think a lot of people bought into the hype because they went one and seven, and then I think they won like four of their last six games down the stretch or something like that. And I, I don't know. I just don't think that the Giants have a, have a good organizational structure from general manager down to coach. Uh, I'm not saying Danny Dimes is you know the best quarterback ever. I think the jury's still out on him. I think that. It basically, you know, a lot of the media are saying give him to November, see where he's at then, and then kind of reevaluate. Uh, I just think it's too soon. And, you know, he really hasn't played terrible given, given the circumstances around him this season. Yeah. And I was looking at his, I mean, he had a horrible 2020 season, but again, I mean, if you want to chalk it up to uh, COVID, that makes sense. Um, really good rookie year, to be honest. I mean, Yeah, he had a two to one touchdown ratio to picks, um, which for a rookie, it's pretty good. It's actually pretty good. Uh, He's got two touchdowns, zero uh, uh, interceptions. He's been sacked eight times in in three games. So he's only. Yeah, it's not good. Week two, he had four, but he's only been sacked twice uh, in the other two games. I just Uh, personally think that the the Giants have bigger problems than with Daniel Jones right now. And I think that you know, to reset it at quarterback, like is really just not beneficial to the organization when you have so many other holes. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got a QB rating of a 94, so it's not like he's, 
you know, he is doing terrible because I do think he is, he is an interesting talent. Like, and he is actually as a runner, as a runner too. He's just about to say is like, he's a sneaky, good runner. You don't realize how fast he is. He separates from defensive. Kind of like Steve Young. I would say with the ability to run. I don't know about throwing his throwing talent, but I'd say probably, you know, not that he he's anywhere similar to this, but kind of has a running ability kind of, that reminds me of Kaepernick. He's tall and long and still has some speed where he can kind of if he gets if he breaks away in the secondary, like he, he gets away. Strides. From, yeah, he gets away from defensive backs too. So you know, I just think that you got to give him more time, and that they have way bigger issues than than that quarterback right now. So I want to ask you. This is a question more so for you. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really going to have much say in this um, because this is actually a question I really just droned up for you. How much longer should you guys keep Big Ben around? I mean, we should. I mean, we're already way past that time. I think. That <laughs> I, I think the the inability to use and find words for a good five seconds there says it all. I have. Yeah. I understand that. I understand that feeling. Yeah, I think that he is. Uh, I think it, basically they should. I think they should have got off him a year ago. I just think it was impossible to because he was either a forty million dollar cap hit, and knowing Ben, if they were like, "We're just going to cut you," he would have said, "Fuck you," and then just pay me my money and I'll go. But yeah. you know, I mean, he he opted to take less money. I think this more is more of a money grab for Ben Roethlisberger than it is anything. Than it is a year to kind of like be, try to compete for a championship. Let's be realistic. I don't think Ben Roethlisberger has much endorsement deals after he retires. So he's trying to maximize the amount of money he can make right now. Uh, with that being said, I don't think it's necessarily all Ben's fault. I think Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line is horrible. And I mean, he's been hit 28 times in three games on dropbacks. That's the most in his career since 2010 over a three-game stretch. He's been sacked 10 times already. I think last year he was sacked 14 times the entire season. So, I mean, you have you don't have a good offensive line. They did nothing really to address that offensive line other than bringing Trey Turner and free agency. I don't I think Ben still has the arm talent to, you know, push the ball down the field. And he has skill position players on the outside where, you know, I think if he had time to actually drop back and throw it, he could potentially do something, but uh, I just think the offensive line is too much of a horror right now. The defense is is ravaged in injuries, and and you know honestly, really hasn't played up to their potential when they have been out there. Other the other than the exception of the Buffalo game, yeah. Um, but you know, I think that Ben's done. I just don't think Pittsburgh has a viable option behind him, and and that's just that's the only thing. Where honestly, he, and, where would you, you know, want him to go if you could? Like, where, where would you I, like to see him at? Like, out of a respectful to Ben because of what he's done for, you know, the Steelers, the franchise. And if he was like, look, mm-hmm. I'm not going to obviously retire. I want a couple more years kind of, you know, but I'll do like the Joe Montana. Like, we, we you know, we separate in peace and love and blah, blah, blah. Where do you think he would go? Like, what team could use him? Or you nowhere. Think he retires? I think he's done. I think he's not like any team would pick him up. Yeah. I think he's too. I think he's too old. I think that, you know, over his career, I think I've looked. He's had about like 12 injuries in his career. So he's at the end of his rope, especially coming off a major elbow surgery. I'm pretty sure he had Tommy John surgery, which for pitchers is like a massive thing. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> the one thing I would say in regards to Pittsburgh, if I could do anything, this maybe sound, might sound a little crazy, is I'd bring in Cam Newton, strictly because you need a quarterback who's going to be mobile for your team. Given the holes in your offensive line, you need someone who can move. You need someone who can extend the play. And they don't have anyone in their organization right now who could do that. 
And I, I mean, I know Pittsburgh won't do it because they're very kind of like structured. Oh, we don't like to overreact and do all these things. But I think that they have a roster that could take them places if they actually had like, you know, some type of offensive fluidity, some type of if they were effective on the offensive side of the ball, I think it would be a completely different conversation uh, about the Steelers. So I think they have the defense to compete with teams, especially when they're healthy. But the defense is on the field entirely too long because the offense is entirely too inefficient. And that's Probably just something. Are. Yeah. And just it, it's going to it's not going to be a good year. Pittsburgh, I don't think. And I kind of knew that going in. I, I remember when we were on our podcast last time, I got a little excited because I, the Ravens had so many injuries and I was like, oh, with their defense, you know, they might be able to do something. But offensive line is horrendous. And it's just been a bad brand of, of offensive football for the first three games. I really don't see how they're going to turn it around. And I'm really not a big fan of the offense. You want to know what's annoying? You know what's annoying about the Pittsburgh Steelers, though, is you guys could go one in 16 this year. But I would be willing to bet you all 16 losses would be within seven points. <laughs> but like, because you guys are you guys are a well coached team that like you guys could make like Tomlin could you give him a bunch of you know backup players and he could still make it work to where every maybe they lose every game but every game's going to be so hard to beat him mm, and he's going to yeah. find ways to work it with it and. I, I think you guys get eight or nine wins this year. I do. I don't think you get, I think the Eagles are going, I think they're going to get even less. Like I think we're now, it depends on how long we keep Jalen Hurts as our quarterback, but I think we go five, maybe six wins. Like I really want to be surprised. one and four. I mean, same with Pittsburgh. They got Green Bay coming up and then after that Seattle. So it's not, it's not looking good. At least they, no, I think I mean, you guys can beat Seattle. Cause that's actually my, that's so well, actually a great yeah. lead in mm-hmm. is, you know, how uh for seattle how big of and how, how do i want to say this like how overrated are they because mm. i i mean from what i've seen is in and in both of their losses they've had the lead mm-hmm. and they blew them both well you know i think one of the things that we've noticed with the Seahawks is that in the beginning of the year, it's Russell Wilson lighting it up. And then at the end of the year, Russell Wilson having to carry the load and running out of gas. And I think that's kind of, start, and I think the latter is starting to show itself earlier in the season. I think that the biggest problem with the Seahawks is, is their defense. They have no cornerback help. I think they're ranked 30th against the rush and 26th against the pass right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the Vikings had a backup running back go for over 150 yards on them last week and Alex Madison. Um, and you know, it's just, I don't know if there's anyone on the open market that they could bring in to help them, you know, from a defensive backfield perspective. I think the one thing that I've noticed is they're really not using Jamal Adams, how they typically use him, where they like him close to the line of scrimmage and rushing the quarterback. So I think that's really what they could, most they can do there. Um, but you know, I looked at their schedule just to kind of see like who they play and, and what games I think they should be favored to win. And, you know, just to, based on their remaining schedule, there's only six games that I see where like they are the, you know, the favorite to win the game. Steelers, the Bears, the Lions, the Washington football team, the Jags, and the Texans. And then think about the division that they're in. Their division is just a straight up gauntlet. Like, you know, Arizona, Arizona is looking really good offensively. Uh, the, the Rams look great. Uh, honestly something I really didn't expect it for them to come out of the gate like this. And I think San Francisco is just a tough physical football team. So I just see, you know, given the division that they're in, they haven't even started division play yet. So that's eight games against really tough opponents, like eight really tough games. So I think Seattle is kind of like their backs against the wall now. And they kind of, and it's all on Russell Wilson as it always is. And I just don't see how that's going to be conducive for, to their success. So I, I kind of see them as a middling team really wouldn't shock me if, if they, 
kind of fell out of the, of the playoffs this year as a result. Well, I, uh, there's also, man, you really think so? Mm-hmm. I just think their division's way too tough. I think the Arizona, the rise of Arizona, the, you know, the Rams, are, I think everyone's on the Rams train right now as a, as a top contender out of the NFC. Um, I'm not really sure what to put on the 49ers, but I think the 49ers play a tough brand of football. Um, and given Seattle's defensive You think they'll get a wild card, though, especially now that there's another one? I just think that the NFC is – I think the NFC West is just so tough. Like, I just don't I, – I mean, would you take them over Arizona right now? Would you take them over the Rams right now? No, I'm not talking about their division, but I'm saying wild card. Maybe they can yeah. be good enough win, to win wild I. I, I'm just saying this to keep the debate going, but I agree. I actually think that's where that's the reason I drew up the question is I actually didn't totally agree with this. Um, I do think that Seattle, I think of event, I think the, the lack of addressing the offensive line has finally caught up with them. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it, it's the straw that broke the camel's back sort of thing. I don't think they're going to be, I, I think they could be a very middle packed team and I don't think they're going to mm-hmm. make the playoffs either. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I just think it comes down to their division. I think their division's too tough. And I mean, I mean, we could break it down. I well, mean, they're I definitely, I think, possible. I think they're going to get last in their division too, but I don't mm. think they'll be up for a wild card because yeah. you're, you, you could be in theory that whole division. If Seattle plays the way Seattle should be playing, like the way you kind of think of Seattle playing, right? The season that they should have, mm-hmm. they, they would, you could possibly have all four of those people make the playoffs. Like that's how good that division is. Yeah. Um, I, I just think it's going to be extremely difficult for them. And, and like I said, I mean, in the remaining games and and you, and you believe I, I, you have a higher opinion of the Steelers, but I mean, I, like I said, I only see six games where I think like they are like the outright favorites to win, like where they can put all their eggs in the basket and say like, yeah, we're going to win. Well, I just think the Steelers are better than the Eagles right now. And I, I, if they're going to get six wins, then we're going to get like four. So that's even more depressing. Um, okay. So a team I want to talk about, mm-hmm. how much are people overlooking the Minnesota Vikings? Now, mm. if you look at their two losses, missed field goal, in the second game of the week to Arizona on a very, very makeable range. This wasn't like a 58 yarder. He had to win the game with, so it was a very makeable range. Um, mm-hmm. And I wanted to just to make sure. I want to make sure what the distance was. I, I think it was like a, a 42 yarder or something too. Against the Bengals in overtime. No, 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 no. So the, the problem in week one was in overtime and they fumbled. Yeah, Dalvin Cook fumbled. Yeah, Dalvin Cook fumbled, which how how often is that going to happen? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's Dalvin Cook. You're going to bank on that. Um, and then in week two, they play who I think is a very hot and a very underrated Arizona Cardinals team, mm-hmm. which you and I have many times have talked about. Um, oh, nope. I, I guess I did lie. It was 58 yards. <laughs> No, they did play the Cardinals in week two because they should have beat them in their kicker. Oh, no, no, I was right. No, it was a chip shot. I was, I saw they, they moved the ball 58 yards is what I was saying, what I saw. Mm. And I was like, oh, it was a 58 yarder. No, I was going to say, I thought it was like a 38 yarder, but it's a 37 yard field goal. He missed absolute Mm -hmm. chip shot for 
uh, an NFL quarterback or uh, kicker. Wow. Um, but I, I do agree though. So it was, I, I don't see that happening for them. And then I think they obviously they played a great week three. I think people are a little quick to throw away this team. I think they're better than you think. And, you know, it's, it's two games that really one play could have just gone. If it goes the other way, they're winning these games. They could very sure. easily be three and oh. And mm-hmm. so I think they're a very scary team. And I think if you're looking at them at one and two and thinking they're off to a bad start this year, I, I think you're going to have another thing coming when they come to town and you're going to, you're going to be thinking automatic win and, you know, look, it's early. These are, these are our way too early talking points that we are saying mm-hmm. we're only three games, in, three games in the season, but uh, I think also fair questions. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't buy Kirk cousins. I mean, he's playing great right now though. I think he's somewhere around eight touchdowns and zero interceptions, which is great for him. He but, always plays good though during the season. Yeah. I think the thing with Kirk cousins is when you put him in prime time, you know, the lights are the brightest. He kind of shrinks. And again, looking at their schedule, they have to play the Browns, Panthers, Cowboys, Ravens, Chargers, Packers, twice 49ers and Rams. And I just don't know like how he'll do it. In a lot of those, at least four or five of those games are in prime time. And it's like, I, I don't know. I just don't buy I don't buy him in primetime games. And I think when you have to rely on Kirk Cousins, um, it usually doesn't end well. Uh, I could be wrong. I think the Vikings are kind of you, you could go either way on them. And I think as the season progresses, we'll see, you know, if Kirk Cousins has made that jump. But I want to see what they do against, you know, a real team. And, and you know, they played they played the Bengals first game, who I think were an unproven team. I think they played the Cardinals the second game. Again, same kind of thing. Uh, and then Seattle was probably the, you know, obviously their only victory, probably, you know, the, the toughest team they they had to play so far, um, just based on their past reputation. And I think, you know. Well, the Cardinals, because the Cardinals knew, people you knew you could anticipate they were supposed to make a jump this year. They were eight and eight. Right. They showed great improvement last year. And then you knew with what they added this year that they were going to be a good jump and they, possible playoff contention mm-hmm. and but the, i think what is surprising people is you're like okay if they beat the rams and they're four and oh maybe super bowl contender mm-hmm. so that's yeah. what i think surprising people um but i would say they had two good teams that they i mean they could easily be uh three and oh and mm-hmm. you know i i don't i think kirk cousins it's fair to assume it's a fair argument about his um uh, prime time issues but you could argue in the past it was a big thing. It's a little harder because he was playing with Washington uh, mm-hmm. at a time that the you know the Eagles, the Cowboys were really good. The division was tough, um, and when you play those teams, like you're more likely going to have more uh, primetime games. That being said, he's been in. He has been. I like. I'd be curious to see since he's left Washington what his primetime stats are. Mm. Yeah, like what I'm, is his me, record in prime time? If it like what if it's like two and four? It's like it's not terrible. It's not great, but it's not like you know. Like Kirk Cousins always does enough to make his stat line look good. But if you actually like watch him play, like I think that the, I just I just don't buy I just don't buy Kirk Cousins. I think he's a you know he's a good quarterback in terms of like when it doesn't matter I and mean, he'll put up big numbers. But you know when the game's on the line, I, I don't trust him with. The, ball in his hands and that's actually been kind of like a consensus about him that he gets kind of like anxiety and stress and like these big time situations and gets tight and, and I, don't, I don't i'd be curious to see what what his record is but i'd be willing to bet that it's well under 500 people vikings it his well yeah it, prime time games prime time games. yeah prime time games with the vikings um 
Here's an interesting stat. Uh, Cousins is seven and thirty-one as a starter against teams with a winning record in his mm-hmm. career. Yes, that's the tell right there. So Cousins has made six starts on Sunday Night Football, not counting a Thanksgiving start against the Giants. Those six starts have come with mixed results. Cousins is four and two in those starts with a two and one uh, record in Washington and two one one record with Minnesota. Wow. I don't think that's, Oh, Oh, here's the different story. Monday night football. He is zero and nine, but mm. he is oh and six with Washington. So he's mm. Oh and three with he's Oh and three with, um, with Monday night football in Washington. Mm. And he's one and two uh, as a starter in the playoffs. Uh, he was one in, he's one and one with the Vikings. Mm-hmm. When was this article written? I know he won with, against the Saints and then lost to the 49ers, and he also lost to the Packers when he was on the Redskins. That's playoffs. Yeah. I mean, so he's not, it, it's average. Let's put it that way. I'll believe it when I see him. And, and here's the problem and where he can get the flack is because it's average, but he's not getting paid average quarterback money. Yeah, exactly. He's getting paid to to be the guy. And, and I mean, if you look at his numbers, you'd be like, wow, he had a really good season. I think if you look at his numbers, even the last couple of years, especially in Minnesota, like he's had good years in terms of stats. But I think when you break it down and, and it comes to, like you said, teams above 500 and teams that you know can match him in skill, uh, I think that I think that he kind of shrinks. He's not going to win a shootout. That's like I like it. I love his offensive personnel around him. Love Justin Jefferson, and I'll say to the day I die. And Adam Thielen. Oh, oh and yeah. And I'll say that the day I die. Philly made the biggest mistake not drafting Justin Jefferson, and they're going to and they're going to reap that for a long time. Um, but well, I, Ray, did you see Jalen Rager's got into some fights on his DM? <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> Good. They deserve it. I hope I hope he actually pulls up the fights. Then I actually saw what he said. It was awesome. <laughs> I support Jalen Rager in fighting Philly fans. No way. I love the Philly. I was laughing because of the Philly fan where he, the Philly fan just kept asking him. He goes, hey, man, if you keep acting like that, you're not going to get a whopper. <laughs> <laughs> He's all, if you, don't, if you don't change your attitude, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get a Big Mac, my man. Oh my God! Yeah, I think he was like, "Give me your address, I'll pull up." <laughs> he was yeah, like, he was ready to fight. He was ready to get in the car. He was ready. To get in the Although car. here's the thing, he uh, he is not good. So yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I feel I, I feel like he's just flashes. Like he yeah, like he. I think his skill set is more so like a return man, slot he's receiver. A, he's a he's a lesser version of Tyreek Hill. Mm, some way less, 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 less version. I, I don't think he's a first round talent or like is living up to a first round billing, obviously. I mean, Tyree kills over it. So, yeah. On to the next question, <laughs> uh, uh, which has to do with his team. How worried mm-hmm. should Chiefs fans be? Extremely. You know, I, I think I read a stat in the last 14 games. They're two and 12 against spread. I think last year they went eight and oh, you know, in one score games. And I think that's starting to catch up with them now. Uh, defense has given up 95 points in three games. They're uh, a, a dropped punt by the Cleveland Browns punter from being oh and three. 
Uh, I think their division is incredibly tough with the Broncos, the Raiders, and the Chargers. I really like the Chargers. And I think you could say, you could say, you know, that the Raiders and Broncos have uh, a chance to be playoff teams as well. So I don't think the Chiefs have a lot of room for error. Uh, I think that, you know, their, their defense is horrendous. And I think that that's going to continue to horrendous. And it's going to continue to be outside of Tyron Matthew. It's been terrible. And I think that they really don't have much of an answer there. So I think that the Chiefs are going to be in a lot of shootouts this season. And, yeah. you know, the one thing I will say, I think the one thing, too, that's kind of sticking out is, you know, the Chiefs brought in a lot of big-name offensive linemen this offseason. And, and, you know, that, that looks good on paper. But it takes time for an offensive line to gel, kind of be on the same page, pick up blitzes, understand, like, you know, the defensive scheme in front of them. And, and I think that's kind of showing itself now, despite the, you know, the name brand talent they have. In front of them. And I think, you know, the final thing I'll say is I think Patrick Mahomes is great, but he kind of reminds me of Steph Curry where he gets a little reckless. I think he really like, especially like with the way he throws the ball and kind of, you know, rolls out of the pocket, tries to run backwards and, and, and kind of just is kind of a little crazy back there. Nonetheless, I think he's a great player. He's obviously off to a great start in his career, but I'm really surprised that he didn't get more flack for that, inter- for that no look interception. He threw. Cause that was his fault. People want to say, oh, the receiver should have caught it. If you're not looking at the receiver and then you throw it behind him here, like, and it gets tipped, like, that's your fault as a quarterback, especially when he's yeah. wide open for a touchdown. And so, you know, I think, I just think, you know, my hot take is I think the Chiefs are going to be a wild card team this year. I don't think they're going to win the division. And as, I know that maybe sounds a little bit crazy, but I, I, the way they're playing and their trajectory, I could totally see them struggling throughout the year. Still think they'll get into the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to win the division this year. It's funny you say that because I was going to say the same thing, but I was I I had a feeling that we were going to get into a big disagreement about this. Like I was getting prepared to have an argument about it. Yeah, go to war and be like, dude, I know you're going to give me flack. Like, Mm -mm. because to me, if you say that, you're like the Chiefs may not even make the playoffs just because of their division, and you and and their defense, they're going to be a wild card spot. Like. I like if I if they miss the playoffs. Here, let me repeat this. Like if they re- miss the playoff, it's not like they're gonna miss the playoffs astronomically. Like they're gonna miss mm-hmm. it by a half game, sort of thing. Like that's how they're gonna miss playoffs. They're either gonna make it or they're gonna miss by a half game, one game behind somebody else. Um, they're they are a good team, and I think the thing that makes Patrick Mahomes so great and a special talent is he is doing things that are a bit reckless. But normally when you see somebody who plays as reckless as he does, they also have really high interception stats and mm-hmm. he really doesn't. No, you're and right. That's what makes him so incredible and is, is a different breed of quarterback that I think we're going to be maybe start to see. Um, but maybe people, the more film, more and more film you get on them, that recklessness does catch up on them. Who knows? I, Who knows? I think it's it the does. loss. I think the loss of Sammy Watkins is really understated. And we'll see what Josh Gordon does. And they brought in, although I'm not expecting much from him. Yeah. That's I mean, if you look sure. at the receiving core, it's pretty much just like a bunch of Ferraris. It's Tyre, it's Tyreek you know Hill and Kelsey. And I think now where they're starting to do is, but I'm their, saying like oh, their actual core, it's like you got Robinson. Um, mm-hmm. and then you got, uh, you got Hill and then you have the other guy, uh, Kelsey. No, no, no. Number 14 or something. Uh, oh, Sammy Watkins is not there anymore. Oh, not him. Sorry, I'm blanking on this. This is killing me. There is, uh, there's another. They have three, like their top three receivers. Not tight. Like I know Kelsey's like their obvious, their obvious number one. But I'm saying like their actual wide receiving who are listed as um, wide receiving cores. Um, if you look at them, they're pretty much their whole wide receiving core is. I know what the Eagles were trying to do last year, which was just get a bunch of fast, fast players. Mm-hmm. 
and that's all it was mm-hmm. and let me see who it is. so you have oh pringle is one of them he's just a speed dude and you have hardman and yeah. robinson so hardman robinson pringle and hill oh i, I forgot mean, about i thought about forgot about hardman but again that's who it was that was the other guy pringle's well, the that, biggest one i think at six one well, I mean, that's why they brought in Josh Gordon because I think now what teams are doing is they're bracketing Tyreek Hill and they're playing they're playing way off and they're saying we're daring you to run the football and so yeah. I think now so that's kind of neutralizing what Tyreek Hill does and I think it's kind of now they're just saying like do not let him get behind you at all costs and I think that's gonna I think that's kind of how the Chiefs are being defended. Um, but yeah, like I said, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, I said that again, remember in our podcast start of the year, I said, I think, I think what's going to happen is you also see this too, is because generally sometimes when a team loses a Super Bowl, that their next year is just wicked tough. Look at the Rams happen to them. Mm-hmm. You have, uh, obviously the chiefs could potentially be doing this this year. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons had a terrible next year. Uh, the year Cam Newton lost it. Their next year was freaking awful. Like it, it is a thing. It's, because generally it's something might, that might be working, but if a team figured it out, that thing that was working is not going to be there next year. Now you got to find a whole new thing. And I think the, I think the Chiefs kind of my, mantra and mindset's been, oh, you know, we can play bad and get down in games. It doesn't matter. We're going to find a way to come back. And I think that's starting to catch up with them now. And I think that they've gotten yeah. a lot of breaks in that regard where they've been down and, the, and you know, teams have given them a chance. And it's like, if you blink against the Chiefs, like they're going to score. Like they're, they're, they're eventually, if you give them enough opportunities, they're going to find their way back into a ball game because of how electric their offense has been. I think that's starting to catch up with them now. I think that this will be a season where Patrick Mahomes has a lot more turnovers than what we're used to. Not that he's going to be off the charts, but I think that his turnover numbers are going to go up. Because I think, and I, I don't, I don't really believe in Josh Gordon. I think at the end of the day, it's still just going to be Tyree Kill and Kelsey that yeah, you have I don't, to rely I, on. I, I 100% agree with that point. I had a buddy of mine send me it, and he goes, "Dude, look at this!" And it was like a the breaking news that they were signing him. I'm like, "Have you looked at any of his stats? Anytime he signs with a new team, he gets like 11 catches for like 120 yards over right. like 14 games. Like he's not. This is a guy who's been in and out of football for the last six years. Like you." I don't know what you guys think you're going to be getting with this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the guy. This is a guy who was last playing football in a league where fans were calling in and calling the plays. It was literally yeah. fan-controlled football. I don't. I don't. I don't trust. I don't trust his. I don't. I mean, you can't just be in and out of the league like that and expect someone to come in and make right. that much of a difference. You Absolutely. Hundred percent agree. All right. So another question I got is, and I think this is my last one. Okay. Should, uh, oh, actually, I got two more. Sorry, sorry. This is actually a team that, you know, to your point, I think you were talking about earlier with um, Sam Darnold about mm-hmm. uh, having, you know, just having to manage, uh, or Justin Fields, that's actually who it was. It was Justin mm-hmm. Fields about having a team who, if you looked around, like maybe he had, he could be uh, managing the team if, because he's got a great defense and stuff like that who mm-hmm. I think could potentially be a great contender now is official Broncos. We were talking mm-hmm. about at the beginning of our podcast last year. And I, I, yeah. I or the beginning of this year, I, I brought up the point where I was like, look, I think the Broncos have got an incredible defense. If they can get that quarterback position figured out, like they have offensive weapons too. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, very similar to the Tampa Bay situation before Tom mm-hmm. got there. Uh, and 
how good are they? How reliable do you think Teddy Bridgewater can continue to be this reliable throughout the course of the season? I don't expect I, him to get like, uh, you know, 14 and three, but you know what, you know, I, I expect to, I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think that's given, mm-hmm. um, you know, what can we really expect as far as do you think, uh, you know, potential wise for them this year? You know, I think it's hard to judge because the, the record of the teams that they've beaten their first three games is 0 and 9. The Jets, the Giants, and the Jaguars. So I think, you know, the jury's still out on them. I I am not a firm believer in Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's good at, you know, learning the playbook and being a good kind of stable uh, within a team. But I don't think that, you know, when you get against I, – I, I'll, I'll frame it like this. I think that the Broncos, like you said, I agree that I think they have potential to be a playoff team. Their roster on defense is ridiculous, like really good talent on the defensive side, two good corners, two good safeties, uh, two good edge rushers. Although, you know, uh, Von Miller is doing his thing right now, but Bradley Chubb's out for about half the year. I think yep. the big thing is, is that the Broncos lost two of their top three receivers already. It's injury. Jerry Judy's out with a high ankle sprain. Uh, he's out indefinitely. They really haven't put a time frame for him to return. And uh, KJ Hamler just tore his ACL. So he's out for the year. Um, so I think, you know, I like I agree with you that I think the Broncos will be a good team. I, I could kind of see him going around 10 and 7, but I, I don't think that they'll be a Super Bowl contender. I think they'll kind of be out in the wild card round type of team. Um, you know, I, I think they're be- a potential upset team in the playoffs. Like mm. they could beat. Um, Sorry, excuse me. Like, you know, you could have be some good AFC team. I was going to say the Chiefs because of what we thought, but I, I'm just not convinced the Chiefs will be there. But a team like the Chiefs, say, if the Chiefs end up panning out the way they should be, you know, mm-hmm. a number two seed, and they go into uh, – or, you know, Denver goes into Arrowhead and they upset them, lose the next round sort of thing. I could definitely mm-hmm. see that. They could be a surprise AFC title uh, mm-hmm. team. I just don't think Teddy Bridgewater can get you there. This is my. Well, I mean, he. It depends on where they end up. What if he only has to win one game, sort of thing? I'd like to see what they. I want to see what they. I don't know when their first big tough tough test is. I I don't know who they play this week, but I. I think that'll be kind of telling about the type of team that. So they play. uh, This week they play. I know somebody. The Ravens. That's right. Well, that's a tough test right there. So that that'll be that'll be an interesting. Ravens game. got a good defense. Uh, you know, Lamar is going to do what Lamar does. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he'll be great during the season, and then the defense schemes shift in the playoffs, and it'll be he'll be booty. But um, <laughs> the last question I got for you, and then mm-hmm. we'll get on to the questions I know you wanted to talk about, and you brought to the table. Um, mm-hmm. Should Detroit just retire? <laughs> Just a franchise. <laughs> oh my god! Should they just... just call it quits and say, "Hey, we're done"? <laughs> I think that's the only thing that the city has left to hang on to at this point. I think they just love being depressed by the Lions. Like, love just the Lions are just the, the stereotypical scrapers, man. They'll they'll get in dog fights with you and then lose at the gun. It was hilarious <laughs> watching that Ravens game because, dude, I was literally watching it unfold. It's like fourth and nineteen. Lamar Jackson converts. I literally start video recording on my phone because I'm like, the Ravens are going to win. And I literally say, you up. The Ravens won. Only, only the Lions could lose on a record breaking field goal. To uh, yeah. And having come back to take the lead, you're about yep. to win your first game. 
it, and so so Chris and I have for anybody joining in is Detroit going to Detroit <laughs> is a thing that it's a team is literally just a, a great parallel of the city. It's just <laughs> you get out to a massive lead, you fucking crumble, you fall apart, you get you, you start getting heartbroken and then you have a little mounted comeback where it's like, ah, I think things have turned around. We're going to do well. And then eventual just death splat, and just splat. splat. And that's what this game was. Their whole actually every game this season every has single been game, this. Every, <laughs> yeah, I will say I I I like they have a lot of fight in them. They they don't they, you know they have some talent on their team, especially at tight end. They have a superstar at tight end. You know I, I don't I think I, I feel bad for Jared Goff because it's like what the fuck are you gonna do in Detroit? Like you know that's just a right. go nowhere situation. I think he's just happy because it's like they're, they're like please please come. Like we if you're like you've even have half a pulse, like we'll take you. Like just <laughs> 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 like you want to come here? Here I just. I just wish I could see the city, like the streets of Detroit after like a devastating loss like that. I just imagine shit's on fire. People are fighting. It's just <laughs> quiet. It's just, it's just ghostly quiet. Kinda, it's just a lot of kinda tears. Like, kind of like the city of Philly. I heard, like, in Philly, you know, when, uh, when the Eagles play, the domestic violence rate skyrockets. I imagine Detroit, the crime rate explodes. <laughs> I don't know why. Absolutely. <laughs> if, especially in Philly, too. There, it's It's something else man philly uh you know they we want like we we win and then fight each other we lose we fight each other it's just (laughs) even in a great victory you'll see it's like you're not fired up we'll beat dallas and there'll be like cowboys fans watching two eagles fans beat the shit out of each other of course (laughs) (laughs) eagles gonna eagle Uh, oh my god all right so uh what would the big questions you got for us I know you brought yeah, some to the table. You know, kind of building off of the Broncos, one of the things I did want to talk about, I know we kind of glossed over it, but kind of like, do we see the Cowboys as contenders? Do we see the Cardinals as contenders? Do we see the Panthers as contenders this year? And when I mean contenders, actually teams that we think make a playoff push, not just make the playoffs, but actually win a couple of games. And I, and I say those three teams because they were teams that, you know, didn't make the playoffs last year. One of the big things in the NFL is you usually see teams who had you know not so good years the year before kind of bounce back and make the playoffs and make a run so i kind of wanted to go through the, those three teams we can start with dallas um and see, see what you think about them see what you think about their outlets for you know potentially making a push into the playoffs yeah dallas is surprising me i'm not mm-hmm. gonna lie and Very i know and so. maybe it's because i'm i may and a lot of people probably think it's because i'm a dallas fan or a, a dallas hater and i do mm-hmm. hate dallas i, I loathe them um <laughs> But it, I, I wasn't convinced. First of all, Dak, I got to my captain. He, he's playing like he great. didn't just snap his ankle. Looks you great. Know, a year ago. So he's playing good. Uh, Zeke's actually having it. He's not having an incredible year. He's not having what everybody thinks Zeke should be playing at, but he's having a good year. He's having he's a good year. Hard. Like, yeah, he, he's playing. Like, he's not playing out of this world, but he's playing good and you, to where you can't complain about him. Like he's playing mm-hmm. good. Like you can't say he's not. So you should have nothing negative to say about him. Uh, and, uh, you know, their wide receiving core, I think, is pretty talented. Mm-hmm. Um, their defense is much better than I think I was expecting them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, they did just beat the Eagles, who I think are offensively, we are overrated, way overrated. Well, I think um, your offensive line fell apart. Like literally, as the game went on, it literally just melted down. Whether it was by injuries, well, I mean, or okay, well, okay, so that's a different discussion about the Eagles. But I'll get into that. Um, we can get into that later. But 
Uh, I have got some choice words for my Eagles. Um, I, I Dallas has surprised me. I think they're going to make the playoffs. They're they're definitely clearly going to unless Heineke can keep playing well. I know he didn't have a great game last time, but it's definitely Dallas who's going to win this uh, division. I think they're almost, I think, I think run away with it. Walk away with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think they're run away with it. It's not going to be close. Um, I think it's going to be a lot. I think it's going to be a lot more like the NFC South that most people thought would uh, look like with just Tampa yeah. slaughtering the division. I think it's going to yeah. be more so like that. Yeah, uh, it so kills too. me to say it, but you know what? The Eagles, the, this is a learning year for them, and I hope they. I hope the lesson hurts, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's an, we can talk about that when we kind of work down the line here with, uh, with Jalen Hurts and stuff, but, you know, I definitely think, I honestly think Dallas is a contender. And I know it's way too, this is kind of like a way too early prediction. I don't think Super Bowl contender. I don't see things Super Bowl contender, but I definitely think they're going to make the playoffs pretty good, uh, pretty easily. Uh, They just don't have, yeah, they just don't have, as much as their defense is better, they're still young. They're still kind of congelling together. They're not like, they're not great. And I think when you get into the playoffs and you play against these better teams, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be, it's going to be a little more challenging for them. Uh, yeah. I, that being said, mm-hmm. I don't think it would be uh, like, I don't, I don't think it's going to be like one of those things where you're like, Holy shit. Like they definitely don't belong in a conversation of being contenders. Like, I think they're going to be around there for a couple of years. So it's like, I just don't think this is their year. If they ever, if they're on pace to win it at some point in the next five years, I just don't think this is their year. I, like, you know. I, I think it's a good, I think it's going to be a good year and it's going to show you that they got a lot, a lot more they can do because they got Pollard. So it's not like you're, you're at risk of losing a running back, a good running back. If anything, mm-hmm. they're probably going to trade Zeke after this year. Um, and I, I think, the, I think it's a good bright future for Dallas, uh, but, uh, and a dim one for the Eagles. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of, I really do believe that I, I think Dallas is a contender for the NFC. I think I, outside of the Rams and the Bucks, I think the Dallas, Dallas is right there. I think that, you know, their offensive line is playing great. And that's, and I think we talked about it, you know, in, I just think early- that the Niners could beat them. I think that, like, I just think that there's a lot of teams. If you have a good enough defense, if you have a good enough defense, I think they're very beatable because the moment you have to start relying on Dallas's defense to win you a game, I don't think that's going to happen. Where all these other top teams, they can they can rely on their defense to win them a game. Reason I, I would say, got to clear I, it up, but yeah. I don't think San Fran has a defensive backfield to hang with Dallas. So I think that I think San Fran's deep corner cornerback room is diminished entirely, especially with Jason Barrett tearing his ACL again. So he was like their best defensive back. He's done for the year. San Francisco is strapped, especially at, at the defensive back position right now. So that, but that's why they have probably also one of the f- best front sevens, and that can help negate uh, a not so great defensive back. Yeah, but look what Aaron Rodgers is doing. Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers is also a once in a lifetime talent, and they are they are contenders. They yeah, lost. They, they lost on a last second fifty one yard field goal to Aaron Rodgers and a contending Green Bay Packers team. Like that's mm-hmm. not that's not something to be uh you know come on like yeah, they had Aaron Rodgers with a diminished offensive line down two Pro Bowlers one to one to injury one that didn't resign with them Aaron Rodgers whose team only really has one legitimate wide receiver in Devontae Adams uh and I think honestly I you know that was a major coaching blunder on Kyle Shannon I don't know how you let Devontae Adams go free for two catches at the end of the game like that so and I just think that's just a deficiencies in their defensive backfield but you know. Back, back to Dallas, I mean, I just think their offensive line's loaded, and I think if they 
kind of operate under the formula where it's run the ball first. Dak's playing great, but Dak operates best when they run the ball first. And they're run for, when they're a run-first offense, I'm pretty sure that if Dallas runs the ball over 30 times a game, they haven't lost with Dak and Zeke. I think there's some kind of number like that. And, you know, I think if their offensive line can stay healthy, uh, I don't see a team stopping them. And I think, you know, I, I'd be in, I think maybe like the only team that really could defensively is the Rams, at least from like a contending perspective. Um, I think Micah Parsons is a star. And I think, you know, having him on, on the edge is kind of a pleasant surprise because he's really creating a lot of pressure off there. Apparently he's the number one rated rookie out of the entire rookies coming out this year. Uh, so far through three games, they have him rated the highest. Um, I think, you know, one thing I saw too, that's kind of interesting and it's a stupid like metric stat, but they have 10 or 11 guys on their defense that have been, uh, tracked running over 19 miles an hour this year. So they got a lot of speed on the defensive end. I think Trayvon Diggs is kind of a gamer. Uh, I think, that, and, and I'm just interested to see kind of how they progress, but you know, I've, they've probably been the team that I've been most impressed with so far. I think that win over the chargers is, is, is one that's going to show up to be like a really big win. I'm just saying the Chargers are a good team. So I do I do believe that Dallas would probably I think Dallas can contend. I really do. Like yeah, like I said, I, I think they I think they're gonna be able to contend. I think they'll be in the playoffs. I just don't think they will I like I don't think they're gonna be in the AFC conference title, but I think they'll be they'll be the very good chance they'll be in the NFC divisional. So mm-hmm. um that's where about where I, I think their max on their season is is they'll probably lose a tight game in the divisional and they'll be They'll be pumped going into next year. Um, so what was the next team that we you wanted to uh, uh, let's roll the Cardinals? Okay, so surprising year. I expected I, I know we kind of touched on this earlier, but I, I expected them to be right there, wild card, maybe win their division. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't expect them to be where I, I'm looking at their offense, and I think their defense is actually pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think uh they're going to tighten things up because like their so holes too. and their, their problems on their defense. I think it's like things that are, you look and you're like, all right, that's something that can be coached out. You know, it's not like they just have a massive hole in their defense, you know, where you're like, holy mm-hmm. shit, they really need to get a pass rush. You know what I mean? Or holy shit, they have terrible DBs. It's like, it's things that can be throughout the season are going to be coached up and tightened up and they'll be, they'll be ready for playoffs. And with that, they're still three and zero because I think they have an incredibly explosive offense. Um, Kirk is extremely underrated as a deep ball threat wide receiver. Um, I, I, how he's not being talked about more is kind of beyond me. I think he's a very good quarter uh, uh, wide receiver. Uh, Kyler Murray, he is better than I thought he was going to be in the NFL. I'm going to be very honest. Um, he worries me a little bit because he is a bit of a gunsling, uh, gunslinger, but he is a baller. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I know I said this to you um, when we were talking about this podcast. Um, you know, for me, Kyler Murray is the, – the book is still open on him the ju- for the judge, what you kind of feel, because I, I just don't know. Because I, I, I think his biggest issues are the things that also make him so incredibly good. Yeah, um, totally true. And – so it's kind of like, yeah, I don't know. You got to take the good of the bad. So I, I just don't know yet. But like, I, I, I understand why people are so highly impressed with him. And they think if, if they want to make the argument that he is a star, I'm open ears. Um, you know, I may disagree on some points or, you know, you might not be able to convince me, but I'd understand your point. 
So like I, I he's an interesting one. He he I think in a couple of years it'll be really solidified what he's gonna be. Yeah, I think it all starts and ends with Kyler Murray. And I mean, obviously he he's a smaller quarterback, and I think one of the things that he really needs to focus on is is not running as much or kind of condensing his running to really only like the red zone. Cause I think he's super effective at that, especially like around the goal line, being able to like, you just, they just have so many weapons everywhere. You know, they have AJ green, Christian Kirk, like you said, is completely underrated. Deandre Hopkins is, is in my opinion, the best receiver in football has been for a while now. And I'm telling you, and I've been, I've been on this for a while, but this, they have a guy named Rondale Moore who they drafted out of Purdue, who's a stud and he's going to continue to play well for them. I think he's really, I think he already has a, a touchdown or two for them already. Um, and offensively, they're loaded. Even defensively, too. You know, I think kind of like we've said about the Panthers, at every level, they have, a, you know, a high-end player. Whether, you know, mm-hmm. at safety, they got Buda Baker. Um, mm-hmm. At corner, I'm not really – I'm not entirely sure they have a corner. I know that Byron Murphy Jr. guy that they drafted out of Washington a couple of years ago had two picks last week. Um but then, you know, you work your way down the linebacker. They got – I think they have Hicks, who came from the Eagles. Yep. He's a tackling machine. He's always racking up. Like He's a beast. Plus. Tackling machine. Oh, but he just gets hurt a lot. And then, you know, on their defensive front, you, you, they have uh, J.J. Watt, Chandler Jones. And the person I'm missing is Isaiah Simmons, who's probably one of the most versatile players in the game. Uh, I Like, I think at the end of the day, it all falls on Kyler. Um, I think, you know, his health is going to be paramount, obviously, to how the Cardinals – play and I, I'd like to see them again so again I think it'll be interesting to see how they do against a tougher opponent I think they play the Rams this week so you know I don't think they need to win that game but I think you know how they play against the Rams will tell you like the outlook for the Cardinals and, and whether or not they're going to be contenders or not you know I predicted them to be playoff a playoff team at the end of the year I think they're better than San Francisco and I think they're going to be better than Seattle um, just from an explosive perspective but that, that's, that's, that's what I was going to hit on. Is so, so their explosiveness is what makes them so scary because you don't mm-hmm. know, you don't know what it's kind of like Kansas city when Kansas city was kind of going up, you know, mm-hmm. when they were on this come up, you didn't know what Kansas city team you were going to get. Were you going to get the team that was going to, you know, beat you 30, you know, 31 to 10, or were you going to get a team that is going to have a shootout with you going to be a close game. And Arizona's that way. You just don't know what games come to town. You just know, you, you do know one thing though, and points are going to be scored. Right. You know, I liked your analogy that you used for Kyler Murray, kind of comparing him to Trey Young. I think that's mm-hmm. a perfect comparison. You know, I think that he's highly explosive, but I think what he does can be either very beneficial or very negative, depending on, you know, what happens. I think that's kind of a similar game to how Trey Young plays. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, so who who's your next one for you? So the Panthers, uh, I know we kind of talked about them, but like, do we, do we see, and, and I think we both are kind of on the same point where we think that they're going to be a playoff team, but do you think that they could, that they could make a run? Do you think that they could push deep into the postseason? No. Yeah. I, I think kinda... they're, I think this is like one of those years where it's like, they make the, like, this is big news for them. They make the playoffs, but they're going to lose. I would say probably pretty decently in their first playoff. It'll probably be yeah. like a wild card game and they lose pretty decently. They just don't have, you know, it's it's always weird to say, and it sounds like a cop out sometimes, but there's an it factor. Like there's mm-hmm. that team where you just you know when a team's a contender, they just have this it factor where it's like mm-hmm. you just can either never count them out or you just always think that they're any game they enter, you're like they're gonna win this or they could potentially very win this. Doesn't matter who they're playing. They have mm-hmm. they have just as equal chance of winning this game. And you know, when you put them up and you you really think about the Panthers of who they're gonna go up with, probably in a potentially first round game, and you're like, eh. They're probably going to lose, but uh, yeah. you know, I, I, they don't have all they don't have all the complete parts, uh, especially offensively yet. 
Mm. And uh, but they have, but they have like they have a good base, and they have mm. such a good base that I do think they'll they'll win, uh, or mm. they'll make it to the playoffs. But uh, I don't yeah. expect them to make a run. No, I think it's their lack of strength of schedule that's really going to come to bite them in the end. Because like I said, I, I really their schedule is kind of a breeze for this season. They really don't have like a, a tough opponent. And I, again, I I'm buying Dallas right now, but after this Dallas game this week, they really don't have a tough opponent until like late November. Um, mm. or so you know, um. You know, it's interesting because because they played so well against the Saints who, you know, take what you want about the Saints. I think the Saints are, are a pretty decent team from a defensive perspective. Um, so I, I, I kind of agree. I, I kind of see them as a wild card team. I think that their personnel is really underrated. I think DJ Moore is an incredibly underrated receiver. Uh, I could really see him at the end of this year being a top 15, top 10 receiver in the NFL, just based upon like what I've seen from him so far. And, uh, I don't know about top fifteen, but I, I think what he I think what he is is I I think he's a you know who's a good comparison to him uh, who you also really like uh, Braden Cooks like he's a mm-hmm. he can run all the deep routes really well you know the deep the deep crosses the deep over the middles uh, mm-hmm. you know your post your slant or uh, your post your corners your fly routes mm-hmm. all those things he can run them incredibly incredibly well he's gonna be he's gonna be. Uh, very good specialist. Like a lot of these receivers, some of these good receivers, you see them, they are specialists, especially guys like him who have speed. And I think he's going to be great at that for years. I think a great comp is like that, that uh, brain cooks, Deshaun yeah, Jackson, a guy that. who can hit a good 15, 20 yard comeback route. Like you need serious speed to be able to get a deep comeback route like that. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy who can do that. And that's, well, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're, I love the Brandon coast comparison. Cause I think he's the type of guy where like, like, a thousand yards this year like where'd that yeah. come from and i think that exactly. that's some yeah so that's something i think that is definitely gonna is definitely gonna show itself but i agree wild card team i don't think they're gonna get i don't think they're gonna get far into the playoffs but i, I like their momentum this year and i think they'll be able to build off they'll catch that. a lot of attention they'll catch mm-hmm. a lot of attention uh, but you know you know kind of staying in that division one of the themes that i want to talk about is actually the saints and, and what you kind of feel about you know the saints how that you and yeah uh, yeah and, I, I wanted to talk about that too yeah mm-hmm. Very yeah good. so yeah, so um, I'll, I'll let you start with it. I'm, I'm curious what you feel about them. They're definitely like an enigma, I feel like. A, a weird team. 100%. Yeah, 100%. An enigma, an enigma if, there, sure. if, if there's a team that you – that right now everybody's like, huh, like if there's a team right now that could go either make the playoffs and do probably pretty well in the playoffs or they end up 7-10. and 10. And yep. that to me is the Saints right now. I mm-hmm. Even th- – they're 2-1, and one, but both of their wins you're like – like if they played the Packers over again, I think they are losing to the Packers. Yeah, plus it's week one. You really can't take a lot of stake in that, right. especially like first game of the year, especially the tumultuous offseason that the Packers had. Not, I don't know how much of an impact that really had on the game itself, but they just didn't come ready to play. Uh, yeah. You know, you're playing you're playing in a different environment in Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah, you're in Jacksonville playing the New Orleans Saints. It's right. you know, it's like college over again. Uh, you're at a bowl week now. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I I think they're an interesting team. Here's the thing I think it comes down to for me is I wanna I, I wanna root for Jameis Winston, but me when too. it comes down to depending on him and that's where it's gonna come down on, like you see the back and forth, like week one, really good, week two, horrible, week three, good. Mm. you you don't know what Jameis is gonna show up. You don't know what offense is gonna show up, and that's what makes him hard. Yeah. I'm going to go with my gut, and I think they're going to be better than what we thought, but they're going to be either 
you know, one game below or one game above 500. Yeah. I think that's like what nine and eight, eight and nine. Yeah. I, I yeah. can totally see that. But yeah. And think, you know, I think you're, you're entirely, you have, a, you have a lot of valid points there. I think the thing with the saints that, that is kind of weird is that they have Jameis Winston hasn't thrown the ball over 22 times in a game or over 148 yards in a game this season. But at the same time, he has seven touchdowns, two interceptions. So it's, it's just that I think the thing with the saints is they have a great offensive line. They have a good running game, but they have no receipt. And a great, right great coach. It, and a great defense. Defense has given yes. up 14 points a game right now. And right. so and so I think the thing with the Saints is, I mean, it's left to be seen what will happen with Michael Thomas when he returns. I don't know how much. I mean, think they need him, to be honest. I mean, the receiving core is just, I don't think they have a guy of note. Like, I like that Marquez Callaway guy they have. He killed it in the preseason. He's been making a lot of crazy catches. Um, but, I, you know, I think that. This, the passing game, although it's their scoring, it's not entirely like the most efficient. And I think with time, you know, I think they'll develop a little more. Like I said, I think the, the good offensive line definitely helps. But yeah, I think, the, you know, the offensive line or the offense in itself is just a, a major question mark at this time. And I, I just, I don't, you know, it, it could, I think we're going to see a lot of ups where the, you know, they'll win games like the way they're winning now. And I think you'll see a lot of downs too, where James Winston has bad games and kind of does those things. And I'm not, I, I haven't really gotten a chance to watch them, but I wonder if it's that they're, they're kind of tailoring the offense so that James doesn't make mistakes or if it's more so that, you know, they just don't have the receiving core right now where they can push the ball down the field. Uh, Probably a little bit of both. I would say it's going to be somewhere in that middle, uh, mm-hmm. to be honest. They, they, they definitely don't have – first of all, even if Michael Thomas was back, they wouldn't have a but, anybody who could push it down the field. My, Michael Thomas is the world's greatest slant runner. So it's just about it. It's a five-yard stick route or <laughs> that's about it. Well, uh, who even knows what's going to happen with him? Apparently, he's refusing to answer the Saints' phone calls. Like, hasn't spoken to them like since like last season. Um, who knows? Childish. Yeah, kind of a bitch. Hold on one second. Um, yeah, it, it's one of the. It's just not not something that um I, I think they're gonna be able to address the season unless they find a team who is willing to get rid of a a decent receiver who they realize they may not make the playoffs. Um, you know, maybe they can get something from. Man, I was actually going to say the Seahawks, but there's no way the Seahawks are going to try and keep all their receivers. But um, even if they have a you know a failing season, um, I wonder yeah, if I they know. would. Re- you know what? A crazy prediction. Since Pittsburgh has so much depth at receiver, I could see the Saints reaching out and trying to get one of those. They would, they I was thinking that them. or Atlanta and get like Stephen Ridley. Or Calvin. Um, I don't think they'd Calvin give up Ridley. Calvin. I don't, know. I don't know why I said Stephen Ridley. I don't think they'd give up Calvin because they gave up Julio. And I think that Calvin is kind of like their number one receiver now. He's still on a rookie deal. So because I'm they're in, probably going to go three and 14. And so I don't think they would trade in division. Though. I don't think they would trade in division though. I don't think they'd want to help the saints just because I don't know. I think that's a, that's a thing where teams in division don't like that's trading true. each other, especially yeah, like so Pittsburgh bit, could be good. Like a juju. Like get rid I mean, of juju. I, I can see them going after maybe like a Deontay watch. Well, I don't think they'd go after juju. Be, well, maybe because juju is on a one year deal. And so he, I mean, he's probably gone after this and year. Juju anyway. wants to be on the outside again. He hates playing slot, and they could definitely use him on the outside. He's not an outside receiver, though. I and mean, I think that's kind of reflect. I don't think he's a number one. Juju thrives better when he's a number two, where the defense isn't entirely focused on him. That 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 showed itself last year. But 
Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think if they really wanted to, they could reach out to Pittsburgh and try to get like someone like James Washington or Deontay Johnson, who are like kind of like their second or third tier receivers. And then you have a guy next to Michael Thomas. That's that I could see that playing out just because Pittsburgh, I don't think Pittsburgh's going anywhere this year. And I think Pittsburgh would really like some draft capital. So if the Saints yeah. would give, I think if the Saints, or maybe they them, reach out to the Eagles, could Jalen Rager. Yeah. You'd be like, please take him. <laughs> Second round pick. We'll we'll sign up for that. Please. We'll give you Jalen Rager and uh, four future first rounds just to get him out of here. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think that's a good. I think that's a, a um, an interesting team this year, man. Uh, Enigma yeah. is the the perfect word to describe. Perfect. It. You yeah, don't know what's going to happen. Um, and then you had another another team too, correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, those are the teams. But the next topic I want to talk about kind of hits close to home for you is what we're thinking about Jalen Hurts and Philly. Yeah. And I based on his three three starts. Um, yeah. So, you, you know what? You know what's so funny is my point is being absolutely proved here. Everything that I've been saying from last year is to everybody who wanted Jalen Hurts to be our quarterback, and I said it ever forever and ever. So what you're going to see, and it's finally coming true. The funny thing is, is I still fucking lose because Carson Wentz can't stay healthy mm-hmm. in Indianapolis. So it's killing me because it's like, all right, well, what did you want? You know, it's basically pick your poison sort of thing. The quarterback who can't stay healthy, who's a super talent or, you know, this great locker room guy, good person who's uh, an athlete back there. But you know, not a good quarterback. And so, what did you want? And so, obviously, we went with a guy with potential. Um, and they tried to make something look at. I've watched every snap, I have yet to see him lead a receiver, I have yet to see him make even a semi accurate deep ball throw. Uh, mm-hmm. he looks like he had he doesn't even have the arm to get it there. I saw him one time, you know, what? The, there's this technique when you're throwing the deep ball too, that like when you really want to throw everything on it where you run up and then you'll kind of raise onto your tippy toes and you'll really throw everything you have. And he did that and the ball went like 45 yards. It's just telling of where you think this guy's arm talent is at. It's not there to go deep. Um, I think he gets a little too in love with it. He's got happy feet. He loves to leave the pocket way too fucking early way too early how many times he's just on the run and he's throwing he just has to throw the ball away because he's out of the pocket and he's running it's hard to make a pass like that on the run at mm-hmm. angles like that it's very very fucking hard and mm-hmm. so and you're not going to be able to like this isn't college you're not going to be able to just run around on everybody uh so he i i, I think he's probably this is going to be his last game starting i'm going to be very very honest really you would think this quick they're going to pull they're going to pull him well, it'll be three games in a row now. He's been very unproductive on offense, and we have a starting quarterback behind him. So, Joe Flacco? No, Gardner Minshew. Oh, whoa, whoa. I was about to say, I thought it was Flacco for some reason. But, no, um, we do have Flacco, but mm. he's our third. Um, but we have uh, Gardner Minshew, who's a starting quarterback, and, mm. you know, he's notorious for making plays. And I, mm. I he, he's actually can throw the ball, in my opinion. Um, he is a quarterback. So, I, I, you know, I, I feel a little differently. I think that, you know, I think in his first game, he looked great. I know it was against the Falcons, but exactly. I mean, he, you know, I mean, he's got five touchdowns, two interceptions. He's got about a 90 quarterback rating. I think that's probably a lot inflated by the Atlanta game. 
Um, I don't think he played terrible against the 49ers, but I think what the Eagles need to do around him is, is run the ball more. And I think they're kind of getting away from that. Don't disagree with that either. And I, and I think, you know, I think you got to take into account that the offensive line essentially evaporated in front of Jalen Hurts in that Dallas game, whether, like I said, through injuries or penalties, I don't think that was conducive to what was going on there, but you have a good running back in Miles Sanders. And I think they need to lean on that more and let Jalen play off of that. Kind of like what they do, what the Dallas Cowboys do with Dak Prescott. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, so it's, go, still, go, go. it's yeah. still early. I think, you know, he's only had eight starts under his belt. I think you need to give him the season to see what you have at least that, this year. They're not going to, they're definitely not going to, you don't make a move like getting Garner Minshew, who's I believe on the last year of his contract, maybe his second to last year. You don't get yeah. a guy like, you don't get a guy like that when you, you with the give intentions to, to him, give though. somebody the full season. You didn't give up much to get him, though. You only gave up a six-round pick to get Carter Mitchell. No, but you don't make a move on getting a guy who's arguably equal in talent and ability to start. Like, if he was not on, if he didn't, the only reason he's not starting at Jacksonville is because you have a once-in-a-lifetime generational talent and Trevor yeah. Lawrence coming in. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's different. That's like he really didn't play it's like drafting Jacksonville Peyton either. He really yeah, didn't. No, play he didn't. That. He got he hurt. Played pretty, and, yeah. 16 and five last year, I think his rookie year. Yeah. He probably, I think he led all rookies in touchdown passes. Yes. Yeah. His turnover, his actually, his uh, touchdown and his touchdown to interception ratio is actually not bad. It's actually very good. Very good. Efficient. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think the one thing he does is he fumbles, fumbles a little bit yeah. too much. And yeah, which is weird because apparently he's got massive hands. I don't know. I, he just doesn't I just, hold on to it two hands is his thing, I guess. I think I think Jalen Hurts is, is kind of working with a bad bad deal around him, unfortunately. I kind of agree with you. Or I mean, and I always had this mindset about him where I really didn't think he was a great quarterback, especially coming out of college. Yeah. Um I I, I think he needs more time though. And I and he, honestly he got- I it wasn't like he was losing at even Alabama, you know, and I don't really like to use these points, but Colin Coward made this point and it's a good point. Like he got beat out at Alabama by Tua, who's not a very good NFL quarterback either. Yeah. And it wasn't like Jalen Hurts was losing when he was at Alabama. He mm-hmm. was a win. He'd had maybe three or four losses his entire career. Like and two he, he got hurt. Alabama. With a sprained ankle. Wasn't a season ending uh, injury. It was like he got, he got hurt at just a bad time. Tua came in, played incredibly well. He lost the position, and that was it. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I don't think – if you're in Philly, like, I don't think you really want to win anyway this year. Like, you don't have the team to win. Better for well, you guys it doesn't really matter when we, we – like, as long as the Colts don't win, we still have decent draft stuff too. Yeah, and I think you want – as long as Carson Wentz plays and starts, first-round pick from them. And I think the best thing for Philly is to just let Jalen Hurts rock and see what happens. Because, like, otherwise, it's like the Carson Wentz trade was for nothing. So I think you have to let him play. I know that's incredibly hard for you Eagles fans. You guys want to no, bring- no, no. Here's here's why. Here's why <laughs> is because I think I think the uh, Eagles organization is thinking of it like this: We're getting rid of all the problems, even though Howie Roseman's one of them. We're mm-hmm. getting rid of all the problems. Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. We're just going to get rid of them, and we're going to start over. We're going to give Jalen Hurts a chance. If it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. And I don't think that they're. I don't think that means we have to give him all 17 games. He played what a, a, a quarter of the season, four games last year, right? Four, five games last year. He's he only started. eight starts. Yeah, yeah five. And, yeah. Uh, so, what are like? 
how much, how many more games does he really need if he goes six games into this season? He would have eleven games. You sh- you're going to know by then. You're just you just know by then. Especially mm-hmm. when you have a starting quarterback and Gardner Minshew behind him who can just maybe, and you don't want to potentially lose out the whole season. Because what if Gardner Minshew comes in and you start him the last six games and Gardner does fucking great and he wins all six games, right? And it's like we only had two wins prior to that. We're definitely not making it at eight and nine. So you know you you kind of miss out on an opportunity to maybe still even make playoffs when you have a decent quarterback who could come in and still produce. So I, I think they're going to be a little quicker. I, I, I Maybe next game is too quick to give them four games. But, Way too quick. Um, but if we get out to a one-and-four start, guaranteed on uh, game six of the season, Gardner Minshew's starting. If we get out one-and-four. This might be another topic, six. but I think – problems in philadelphia are more so rooted in your owner and gm and the selection of that really our owner as much as it is our gm i think the 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 problem with the owner and the gm is they're really buddy buddy but the the owner pretty much stays out of like the football like as to what he wants he just wants to win but he thinks he really believes in howie roseman so whatever how he kind of tells him he just rocks with because how he won him a Super Bowl. It's kind of how it is. You get you, it's like look how long it took the Packers to get rid of McCarthy. You, know? you buy him Nick Sirianni, or do you think that you think he'll be? I think it's early. Um, I I think it's early. I talk about early. It, it's one in three. Um, I think he's a little bit too much of a players' coach. I don't think that works in the NFL like it does in the NBA. I think he's too much of a players' coach. Um, so we'll see. He's young. I think he's this year is going to be a big growing year for him. I think he's going to see what it's like to really be a head coach. He's going to have some, he's going to learn a lot about uh, himself this year as a coach. So mm-hmm. we'll be, we'll see. I, I mean, the thing is, it's like, okay, well, who the fuck do you want in place of him? Right. Like who's going to, who's out there that is going to be a good, would be a good replacement right now. Remains to be seen at this point. Right. So, but- well, hey, now we can. This is a nice segue. My next question is related to kind of Carson Wentz and his status in Indy. What do you think? Is he the long term answer? Uh, how do you feel about him so far? Um, I mean, to like I said, I, I wished him the best. I hoped he'd had a great, would have a good season, prove Philly wrong. Um, I think he is an incredible talent. The, he just can't stay healthy, and it's so mm-hmm. miserable. It sucks because you just see you just see what he could be and like you just know he he does have he's got that one percent talent you know things that you just can't coach and it's just you know it's sad that he he seems to not be able to stay healthy i i i think indy maybe gives him next year um to prove himself stay healthy have a good year but uh after that i think with an injury history if he doesn't if he gets hurt again next year i mean that's that's he's gonna be bound he's gonna be that guy who's bouncing around the league i think at this point yeah because it'll be four years in a row of just injury after injury after injury and you know that's that's bad juju in the nfl especially as a quarterback you you just you know you kind of get pushed around look at tyrod taylor good good example you know i think you know it's kind of funny i feel like wentz got out of Philly for a fresh start. He kind of has a similar situation in Indianapolis was kind of where he's injured and the team around him is kind of injured and it kind of impacts his play in the end. Like Indianapolis offensive line has been hurt since the moment he got there. He's already broken his foot. He now has two sprained ankles. Both of his ankles are sprained. Um, you know, 
from a receiving perspective, he has Michael Pittman, but his other receiver, T.Y. Hilton, is has a ruptured disc in his back and is out for an extended period of time. Um, you know, it's just it's it's been a rough go for him. I think you got to feel for the guy, and I think, like you said, he has one percent talent, and I think that kind of is his downfall sometimes. Where I think he holds onto the ball too much, and he has trouble differentiating when you just need to live to fight another play, and when he tries to extend it, which ultimately leads to him getting hurt. Um, you know. I, I really am pulling for him. I like Carson Wentz. I think he got a bad shake in Philly. I don't think he's had a lot of things go his way, um, especially from an injury perspective, whether it's his team or him. You know, uh, unfortunately, it's kind of funny. I kind of see him having a similar career trajectory to Nick Foles, where both of them had some su- success early and kind of tail off, go away for a little bit, and then kind of appear again kind of later down the road and kind of have some success. I think Carson Wentz just needs like sit down, watch the game for a season as a backup, kind of just digest everything. I kind of agree with you where I think he'll probably be the guy in Indianapolis again next year, um, simply because I think at this point it's more beneficial for Indianapolis to play him as much as they can. Or, well, actually, it's, actually, it's really not because I think yeah. you know the less he plays, then they don't have to give the Philadelphia exactly. first-round pick. So, you know, I, I, I'm pulling for him. I hope it I hope it works out for him like i said i think his biggest issue is he holds on to the ball too long i think they said like his average um is he holds on to the ball almost three seconds and that's like the fifth most in the league and that's that's obviously shown to hurt him and it's unfortunate situation because i think he's a great talent but I, I really think because of these injuries he's gonna have to be a backup for a little bit and and i think down the road he'll find some success I think the thing that'll save him too um, is that I think Indy actually has a really good organization. Mm-hmm. I think they're a really run organization. I think their smart organization too is where they realize this is a year. You look around, we just lost our quarterback, our starting quarterback from last year. Uh, you know, Rivers just left. Uh, we had a good season. This year we're really injured and we got a, we got, you know, pretty much uh, a new quarterback at the helm. And then now he got hurt and the rest of our team's hurt. They kind of know, and they're smart enough, which I like about Indy. They know this season's kind of a wash. They're like, all right, mm. look, we're probably – let's just try and keep our guys healthy. Brutal schedule, and be, too. Yeah, and be ready for next schedule. year. And uh, I, I think next year they give it a go. Um, if Carson – if the whole team gets injured again, you could argue Carson gets a third year. But it's really going to – Carson next year is really going to have to stay healthy, and that's what it is. Yeah. So, and I think it would be beneficial for the Colts to just kind of be like – Use Carson Winch's ankles right now and be like, look, man, our whole team's hurt. We're going to give you your money this year. It's beneficial for us if you sit. I'm sure Philly has to pay him anyway. I think Philly's paying more so than. Uh, But I'm saying, like, you're going to get your money. Like, you're going to, like, you're going to make your money. You're going to, let's, let's have you just be next to me the whole, the whole game. And let's, let's, you know, I want you to watch every game next to me. As uh, Frank Reich, the quarter or the coach, like you're gonna watch the game next to me. We're gonna talk about every game constantly. You just learn, heal, rest yourself. Our whole team's got to get healthy. And next year we come at it and attack it. I yep. mean, a year off could actually do really well, probably for for Carson Wentz's body. So maybe drink I mean, a couple it, gallons of milk y- in the off season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Stronger. Get those, but get that little vitamin D supplements in you. Um, <laughs> So I think he, yeah, I think he's, I think he agree. I think this would be a year to sit him. Like, dude, you're injured. Our whole team's injured. We're 0-3. Don't force yourself and make it worse for us next year where we may not even get you for next year. Because, like, mm-hmm. you're coming back and you're playing. Like, he really is playing with injuries. Like, you can't question his toughness. But you might be able to question his IQ. It's like, why? Why are you doing that? Just sit out, dude. 
Just sit mm-hmm. out the season. In my opinion, the season is washed for him. So I think he needs a rest. They, but I do agree with that. Gets, and that, that would get the whole backup thing for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely agree with you there. All right. Last question, at least coming from me. And I feel like we kind of got to talk about this because, you know, Patriots are playing the Bucks this week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's been a big topic about is Brady kind of more behind the Patriots dynasty? Is Belichick who deserves more credit? Uh, I kind of wanted to see what you feel about that going into that game. Who, who you think is more responsible? Is it, you know, I, you could even say it's 50 50 if you wanted to, but just curious who you think that like, kind of owns more of the responsibility of the team, how, how successful they were over those 20 years they were together. Wow. Uh, that's a good question and a fun question. Um, I think. I think it's pretty even, but I think it is a tip of the cap to, I think it's a 60, 40 Tom Brady. Mm. I think it was, I think Bill Belichick was very, very pivotal, pivotal in Tom Brady's upcome. I like there was things Tom Brady had as, as a competitor, even hear stories about him at Michigan, like being, Mm -hmm. you know, competing and stuff like that. Like he had that fire always. Um, and he had just an unlocked like talent. And I think Bill Belichick was pivotal in unlocking that. And it's definitely the hit. I think it, you could even argue maybe his first three, but definitely his first two Super Bowls where a lot of you just go look at his stats and like what he was doing. Like it, it was a lot of Bill Belichick managing defensive scheme, especially defensive that first scheming. Super Bowl. Shut down the greatest show on turf, like shut them yes. down. Too. Tom, Tom Brady was looking more like a Trent Dilfer than he than he was a Tom Brady. You know? He threw for 145 yards in his first Super Bowl with one touchdown, exactly. one, one MVP. Exactly. And and that's where it's it's just, you know, I think it was very different and for Tom, especially his first year, I mean, he was a rookie, wasn't he? Or maybe his first, second year. But second year sure starting. Like, second yeah. year starting. Or second year, first year starting. Yeah. And, um, he, you know, so definitely had a a big impact on him young, but as he got older, I think you really start to see Tom unlock his talent. Especially the last three Super Bowls. Yeah. And you start seeing him like, Oh, this guy actually has like a nut, like an arm talent, like no other two as well. And Mm -hmm. how did nobody see this? And maybe it was just because of, you know, the era he kind of grew up in was he's from the Big Ten in that late 90s, you know, uh, slugfest football where 180 Mm. yards from your quarterback was like miraculous. You're like, oh, my God, keepers, we got a quarterback. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um so, you know, it was different. You definitely see his arm talent. You see him come back as like, he's just like a worldly talent, like an actually really good talented quarterback too as well. Um, and then, you know, I, I would argue that his last three, arguably four Super Bowls were because of him. Um, 100%. And, you know, he was winning games without him. That's why I say it's 60-40. I, I think you don't get Tom Brady without Bill Belichick helping him in the beginning because bill belichick is an incredible coach but i mean he's a defensive coach and tom brady's an offensive freaking miracle you know Mm -hmm. so it's like that's why i think it leans in tom so i I think it's leans in tom's favor and then he won without him bill belichick looks like he may not ever win a super bowl again yeah i think there's a lot of pressure on him to kind of level the playing field there I, i mean you know Unfortunately, I completely agree. 60-40 split. Although I do think that it's a little skewed because if you are the quarterback and you're the quarterback of Tom Brady's caliber, like you're obviously going to have the biggest hand in winning championship. 
you know, I think the one thing that's kind of underestimated about Belichick is what Belichick is the GM who drafted Tom Brady, who was the one who said, let's go get him. He's also the guy who brought in Randy Moss for way under market value. The guy who brought in Wes Welker for way under market value. The guy who found Julian Edelman, the guy who found Gronk, the guy who found Aaron Hernandez. The guy, I mean, let's be real. The Patriots always had good defenses. And so I think that's something it always had good defenses. I would say the one time where like, you know, maybe the defense slipped was against your Eagles in the Super Bowl. And that was like the one time where the defense didn't come to play. And I think, and, you know, that's partially on Belichick. I think you got to look at it, you know, Belichick. Even then, though, it, that, that Super Bowl was 24-21. No, the one that Nick Foles won, 41 Oh, 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 oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, my bad. How could, fuck, dude. <laughs> come on. Your only championship. <laughs> well, I thought you were talking about. No, uh, I, I, th- yeah, I got you. I, was just, I got uh, you. I thought you were giving out examples of when no, their teams in play. No. But, um, yeah. Go on. But, but you know, I think Brady's the greatest football player I think that's ever played the game. And I think, you know, yes. you look at his performance and all these Super Bowls that they've won. I mean, with the exception of the first one, I think, you know, over close to 300 yards, over three touchdowns, like every, around three touchdowns every single Super Bowl, um, every Super Bowl win. Um, but, you know, uh, I would say 60-40 just because I think the, four, the quarterback is such an essential position that, you know, it's almost impossible to give a coach credit when your quarterback is playing so well. Uh, with that being said, I think Belichick, the GM, is is extremely underrated, and the players that he brought in for you know the price that he was able to get a lot of those players uh, is something that I think is is genius level in that regard. Um, so yeah, I would agree sixty forty. Um, yeah, yeah I, and 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 that's and it sounds like you're you're sliding bill belichick when you say it because it's like how how could you it's like you're also talking about the two greatest minds in football and it's mm-hmm. like you know when it comes to like recognizable and um top tier names within the nfl bill belichick's right up there with all of them and you know, so, the one thing I, I do feel that's unfair and i think it's that tom brady got his seventh super bowl in tampa that now everyone says oh 60 40 but i mean as a coach i don't think you have the same free agency capabilities that a quarterback does where tom brady was like i'm a free agent i can go where i want me handpicked the team he was gonna go to i don't know about you but when i saw that he was going to the bucks with the roster they had like it, it, it wasn't far-fetched to think like that could be a super bowl team and I'm not saying Belichick can't do that, but I mean, in New England, it just doesn't seem likely because you're going to have to wait on Mac Jones. He's not getting any younger, but I'd like to see Belichick on, you know, just like level the playing field, like go to another team, like a team that's a contender, a team that needs like a great coach. And then let's see what happens. And then like, what happens if Belichick wins the Super Bowl? By some way, like, theoretically speaking, Belichick levels the playing field and gets another Super Bowl. Then what do you say? Still 60-40, Tom. Yeah, just because it's the quarterback. No, I just think that, I mean, there's just certain things that I think when you really look at it, especially as Tom got older and some of the games that he won, the ability that, like, it's you just can't argue it wasn't him. Like, he had his, like, his last four years. Like, some of the games, yeah, some of the games that he he was there, like, he was working with almost zero talent and it's hard to work when your best receivers, your slot receiver and Julian Edelman, don't get me wrong. One of the greatest receivers in the slot position of all time, but like Especially playoff wise. Yeah. And he was really clutch, but like 
it's really hard to be a productive offense when your best receiver is a slot receiver. It's a very mm-hmm. hard thing to be that productive. He made, he made a lot of those guys. He made yes. a lot of those and guys. He made a, and he made it work, and he just knew how to He knew how to get the offense rolling. It It's hard to get 320 yards of passing when your average pass is like six yards. Like, mm-hmm. that's a hard, man. That's uh, like only Tom Brady can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, uh, some of the Super Bowls that he won, you know, I like, look, the Rams Super Bowl that they won, I think shows the brilliance of um, Bill mm-hmm. Belichick. He goes, okay, all these people are playing these high fancy offenses. We're going to do straight north south football, and we're just going to hurt you. And we're he just going to play Rams smash twice, if football. you think about yeah. it. He did when the Rams both times coming in probably had a top two offense. So I think that's underrated. I think it's also swept under the rug. But I mean, I think if you got to look at I, Brady's obviously the best quarterback ever, but defensive mind Belichick's the best defensive mind ever. He's got eight Super oh, Bowl yeah. rings on. I mean, if you want to count rings, Belichick technically has eight Super Bowls. He won two as the defensive coordinator of the Giants. And I mean, obviously, I think people hold more weight when you're the head coach. But I mean, if we really dive into it, I think, you know, the one Super Bowl they won against Buffalo. Buffalo had like one of the best offenses in the league with Thurman Thomas and Jim Kelly and, uh, and the uh, and the Giants shut them down. That was entirely Bill Belichick's game plan. Eric and Reed. So, Eric Reed, Andre Reed. Yeah. Andre Reed. Yeah. Andre Reed went to a high school 15 minutes from me. We used to play his high school all the time. He went to really? a small a small college called Kutztown, which is kind of Division II school. Ended up making it to the league from there. Fast fact for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's you know, it's always it's an interesting conversation though. I think uh, I think it. it it's one that kind of makes people like a little angry, but it shouldn't because when you're talking about these types of people that we're talking about, I mean, you're talking about the top, top, top tier. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the margins, even though you're saying 60, 40, the margins, what separates them are so thin. It's like, it's so thin. For and sure. And, you and know, you're talking about an impact is the most impactful position in sports. Realistically, as a quarterback, like I would say that, that in sports, probably the most impactful position across any sport is quarterback, just because of how much is on you, how much like you are, everything starts and ends with you. And, uh, you know, you touch the ball every play offensively. Team sports. Yeah. Team yeah. Sports. Team sports for sure. Yeah. For, yeah, exactly. And I mean, kind of breaking that down, like, you know, between quarterback and coach, it's just a difficult. And even, you know, I think in any other situation, it would probably be a higher percentage in favor of Brady. But I just think, you know, Belichick from a from a GM perspective, from a defensive coach perspective, like I think you got to give a lot of props to him for even being in like that 40 percent. Because I mean, yeah, well, I think he showed you how how valuable a good coach is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I I think that's what he really shows. He shows you how valuable a good coach is. And have you. Have you dove into like, you know, or have you listened to some of the reports about like Brady leaving, Belichick refusing to meet with him in person? Have you, have you read in any of that stuff? Uh, I've heard some stuff where he'll be like, like he just doesn't compliment Tom well. And like, yeah. like he just like, it's like he refuses to ever talk about him, but then he'll give you like, like, like uh, he'll give you like a 10 minute answer on why a left footed punter is really good. And then, but then they'll be like, so who, like, you know, what was your favorite thing about Brady? You'd be like, oh, Brady's, Brady's a great competitor. He's, you know, he's yeah. going to give you your best. He works effort. hard. Yeah. And you're like, what? Yeah. Like, you know, I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I think Tom definitely deserved his due and his respect. I think the thing that kind of was the foundation of the Patriots dynasty was that like, doesn't matter how good of a player you are, you're replaceable. 
And like every day you need to attack practice and you need to attack our game plan and attack games with the mindset that like you could be cut tomorrow. And I think instilling that fear in players is what made Belichick like so respected. And I think a lot of people, I remember hearing, you know, when Chad Ochocinco went to the Patriots, he said, first day I'm in there, Belichick's ripping Brady in film session, like in front of the whole team. And I think that was kind of the foundation, like that fear, like, oh, Tom Brady's getting it. I can get it. Like, so yeah, and I, think and that I think it's good, but it's it's like Belichick had no mm-hmm. limits with it because it's like mm-hmm. at some point you also got to be thankful for your player, like especially mm-hmm. when you got a player like uh, a Tom Brady or you like a Rob Gronkowski who I think is the greatest tight end of all time, hundred percent. Yeah, and it's like it, it's like you you got to give them, and it's almost like. I get it. You got to be able to be hard on your hard players, but it's like you also got to show gratitude at times. And I think Belichick never really showed gratitude. He was just like, we're going to talk only about flaws. And you're like, hey, man, how about when I came back and won us the Super Bowl down 28 to three? You going to well, say you know, anything? Well, you know, if you look at the post game of that, and I've, I've watched like the actual games, like where like they, they, like the cameramen are on the field, Belichick is, is very complimentary of Brady awesome like i love you like this was you played so great like all this stuff but i think it was only then like it wasn't like you know he never was like outwardly like at the podium like tom's credible like tom's this tom's that i think one of the most notable things was he had like 12 stitches in the palm of his hit throwing hand for that jaguars afc championship game and um they basically they asked him afterwards like oh like what do you think of tom doing that and his response was well it wasn't exactly open heart surgery <laughs> yeah exactly though but it's like shit like that though it's like well it wasn't exactly open heart surgery no but it was a fucking gash on his throwing hand yeah that's the most pivotal part of his whole fucking body in this that's something that's something it's definitely something i I think you know you have two mad like a jackass bag and be like yeah you're right but it's not a fucking paper cut so you know yeah how about that i think i think the boston media is afraid of him they don't really ever challenge him on anything so that's just that's kind of the way it's always been out you know, I think when you have two competing alpha dog personalities like Belichick and Brady, like I think, you know, when Belichick's foundation is all oh, like, you know, get off a player too early rather than late, like anyone is expendable. And and then you have Tom, who's literally an icon, a legend, the greatest football player in, in history. Like before he left New England, that was established. I think after the Atlanta Super Bowl, everyone kind of said, yeah, he's the greatest. And, you know, I think I think it was just a, a competition of egos and seems to always be what it is in sports it's, so it's here's competing. A, i've been thinking about a question that you actually asked um mm-hmm. and i think this is a good way to explain it is when you're talking about the free agency difference that they both have mm-hmm. now he could do the free agency thing bill belichick but here's he the thing is i think you could you are more likely to find the ability if you took a good team a team who already had a solid core like say uh the tampa bay right mm-hmm. now Tampa Bay doesn't work without Tom Brady. Doesn't matter how no. good everything other position was. So 100%. it's like the, that ability to go in and you can go argue, well, that team was already made, right? But that team doesn't work with any other quarterback. There's maybe three other quarterbacks in the league that could walk into that situation and win a Super Bowl with that team. Mm-hmm. Like I you agree. already had a good coach. I don't want to say he's a greatest coach, but he's a he's a very good coach in Bruce Arians. You have very good talent. Too. Yeah, you have very good talent, offense and defense. He wasn't even able to make them a playoff team. Without Tom Brady, that team doesn't go anywhere. There's maybe three quarterbacks uh, outside of Tom Brady that could walk into a situation like that and win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you give a, a team with already like now take that. Now you have um, Tom Brady's team, Tampa Bay. Look at the coach who won the Super Bowl. Bruce Arians. Mm-hmm. It only you only the level of what you need to be successful and win as a coach is more dependent upon the players than it is the coach. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think is like if he were to go and take over another team and win a Super Bowl, Bill Belichick, I think you could have if that team wins a Super Bowl, that means to me you probably could have taken there's probably twelve other coaches, fifteen other coaches that could have taken that job and won a Super Bowl, in my opinion. Yeah. So So that's where I think the 60-40 comes in, why you have to give Brady more. Yes, the free agency thing is a thing, and I do agree that is a good, valid point. But I think when you're talking specifically about Tom Brady, it's not Sam Darnold leaving. You know, it's Tom Brady where there's – you plug him in, and there there really are – there's only maybe three other quarterbacks. I would say Aaron Rodgers is one of them. Um, I would say Patrick Mahomes is another one. And, man, who's another another one I would say – I don't know if there's anyone else. I really don't know if anyone outside of Tom could have done it because I think it was more so his aura and his persona and, and what he brought to the table and his cachet that he brought with him that kind of made a lot of the players buy in. Not to say, I mean, obviously Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes are the same thing, but it's Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady has, has literally shifted the culture in Tampa Bay. I agree. It's a lot like Ronaldo. Ronaldo, he went he went back to um, Manchester mm-hmm. United. And so they're a younger team and they're kind of like trying to figure out their way, but they're really, really talented. Mm-hmm. And there's a story that leaked is in their first game. They were playing this team, uh, FC young boys, which are as a Switzerland club. Mm-hmm. And, um, they were having dinner and after dinner, you, you know, it's standard. You can get your dessert. It's like custards, flans. It's like these really nice sugary treats. Mm-hmm. And everybody looked over and, you know, Ronaldo was eating like an incredibly another like healthy meal. It was, mm-hmm. you know, like an avocado toast or whatever. It was like a really good, healthy, planned out, like quinoa salad, some shit. Mm-hmm. Everybody and everybody uh, passed up on their dessert. And so the whole team started eating just incredibly healthy or like skipping desserts or eating healthier. They're playing better. They have a new chart. So I, I 100% agree. But I mean, I, I think that would have helped is the fact that Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers both have Super Bowls. So it's like they can have that stigma. Of they know what it takes to get there. Where mm-hmm. if you had a great quarterback, say like a Justin Hibbert, who I think is going to be a stud in, in Star. years to come, or mm-hmm. even like Derek Carr, who I know you are very high on. I don't very. think he would have gone in and won a Super Bowl that no, year. At least not the first so year. No. Um, Russell Wilson, that's probably the other one I think that could go mm, into yeah. that. In terms of like but, a culture setter, like yeah. a guy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, those are the only three quarterbacks that I really think could probably go in there into that situation and win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even I then, it, yeah, it's, you know, it's, eh, who knows, but, but yeah. Well, Hey man, we got hey, hey. another two of 15 out two over two hours there. Um, good episode. I thought we had a lot yes, of good sir. talking points. Agreed. Um, but man, yeah, that was good. I, I was a little nervous. I, I wasn't sure if we would blow through them. I felt like we were talking really fast and I looked up all the time. It was two hours and I was like, oh, damn. Okay, <laughs> here we go. All right. What do you got going on the rest of the weekend? Uh, it's my it's my birthday weekend. I'm turning 27 on Monday. So uh, look at you. Yeah, I'm getting up there. getting to the AARP club like you. <laughs> Start getting letters You'll soon. get your card soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be the one to ship it out to you. Yeah, I'll be your uh, referral. Oh, well, yeah, you'd be my sponsor, <laughs> senior citizen. Um, but yeah, the lady's taking me to, to Disney World, so excited nice. for that. That'll be cool. Yeah, nice, mm-hmm. nice. Well, hey man, uh, happy early birthday. I'll shoot you a text Thanks, Monday too, as well. But you have a good trip and uh, appreciate enjoy you. your time this weekend. All right, all right, man. Talk to you Take soon. Take it easy. Bye later, brother.